Okay, so we're ready to go, I believe. As I say, relax. This could be a long time. Hello, this is the Scots Way podcast. We reckon it's number 14. It's Saturday, I've got a cold, so it must be a Scots Way podcast. And this is going to be a biggie, I think. It's, we're going to try and whittle down in the same manner that we have when we did the top five Scottish movies ever. <laughs> uh, top five... Uh, what other one did do? Books? Books, novels. Books, yeah. uh, and this is going to be top five Scottish albums of all time. And to help me um, whittle it down, we've got uh, music journalist Nicola Main. And we have regular contributor to Chris <laughs> Ward. Uh, to, to Chris Ward. To, Chris to Ward. Ward. Yeah. We've got Chris Ward. Yeah. It's, like, a, it's like the numerical two before my name. I've got like a kind of two, two live crew. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a MC name. Yeah. 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 Chris Ward 2.0. 2.0, <laughs> yeah. Um, as here as well. So, yeah, we're going to do this the way we always do it. I apologise if my brain stops working with my mouth, but that's the way it goes. And we're going to read out our top tens and then have a bit of a rally about them. And we've even <laughs> said that if it gets too heated, Ian's going to interject and say, okay, calm down, guys. The ref. The ref, exactly. <laughs> She's giving you a little bell. Yeah. Enough. Or it'll be all out fisticuffs <laughs> and tears before bedtime. I think that's fine. If it, if it has to end in a fight, then so be it, you know. Like, I know karate. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, I wouldn't bet on me. <laughs> <laughs> well, the scrawny indie boy in the corner. <laughs> so, if Nicola, could you read your top ten out for us? I could, yes. It's in no particular order. No, it's no and particular it's order, not yeah. quite officially ten. But here it is <laughs> and anyway. <laughs> They are all Scottish, they are all albums, and they are roughly in the vicinity of 10. Uh, Deacon Blue's Raintown, mm-hmm. Teenage Fan Club's Bandwagon-esque, The Associates' Sulk, right. Arab Straps' The Week Never Starts Round Here, King Crusoe and John Hopkins' Diamond Mine, Mogwai's Young Team, Orange Juice' You Can't Hide Your Love Forever, The Blue Nile's Walk Across the Rooftops, Simple Minds' uh, New Gold Dream Stroke Empires and Dance, which... Is anyone is, keeping a count on this? <laughs> which, which isn't uh, one album, it's two, obviously. I'm, in, in your head, I'm hoping, reassured. I'm hoping that I'll be enlightened as to which of these is better okay. in the course of the conversation. Um, is that ten yet? Oh, I wasn't keeping a count. Genuinely, I think it, if it's... Just for the sake of argument, no, okay. I mean, I, w- I wouldn't like to do, cut anything short, yeah. so we'll put I in the... I think that's going to happen. Delgado's, <laughs> Delgado's Peloton. Boards of Canada's Music Has the Right to Children and the Phantom Band's Checkmate Savage. That is my list before you guys read yours out and I suddenly go, oh bloody hell, I've forgotten. Yeah. Such and such and oh, that's actually my favourite album of all time and so on and so forth. Yeah, we well, nobody's, you know, if, if it goes over 10, oh, right, you've got 24 written down there. <laughs> <laughs> we are not having that, so give us some kind of, at least written right. about 10. I whittled it down to 10. I had the, an initial list of the 24, 25. I've whittled it down to 10, maybe 11. Uh, two by the same artist. But, uh, Again, I tried to. I don't really have any from the seventies run because what I've got is I've gone more for I've gone more for like stuff that I've actually spent a lot of time listening to, so mm. I can acknowledge that yes, there's stuff that like like I love Solid Air by John Martin, I love Just Another Diamond Day by Vashti Bunyan, but I've kind of gone for the stuff that I've actually you know it's totally. favourites rather than some kind of definitive yep. best. So right, in no particular order again. Well, this is uh, Arab Strap, Philophobia, uh, Bell and Sebastian. If you're feeling sinister, uh, Jesus and Mary Chain, Psycho Candy, uh, Teenage Fan Club, Grand Prix. Twilight Sad, 14 Autumns and 15 Winters, uh, Blue Nile, Hats, 
Uh, Idlewild, either 100 Broken Windows or the Remote Part. Mm. Couldn't decide on that one. Another, uh, these double mm. another one of these ones. Yeah. Loud Call and the Commotions, Rattlesnakes, uh, Dum Dum by, by the Vaselines, and Love the Cup by Sons and Daughters. Mm. Oh, good stuff. Right, well, no, mine, I've got to put one as well. Mine is next by the sensational Alex oh, wow. so I've gone around the 70s. <laughs> uh, the Rosillos, Can't Stand the Rosillos. My postcard album is Aztec Camera, Highland Hard Rain. The Water Boys, This is the Sea. Oh. I've gone Simple Minds and I have gone New Gold Dream. Oh, okay. Brackets 81, 82, 83, 84. <laughs> Close brackets, that's how sad it is. The Blue Nile and Hats. Um, I've gone Win with uh, Tears Baby. Oh, okay. Um, and I'll talk about that a wee bit later. Um, Teenage Fan Club Grand Prix. Primal Scream, uh, oh, really? <laughs> that was a sigh. Two against one. Yeah. Well, no, 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 Primal Scream, Screamadelica. And Lloyd Cole and the Commotions and the Mighty Rattlesnakes. So, let's get stuck into this. And let's start with um, some things, that were, all these bands which we've uh, kind of all got down. So let, let's, let's go straight in here and start with Teenage Fan Club, shall we? Mm-hmm. It's a strange place to start considering, but... I've gone for Grand Prix. Chris has gone for Grand Prix. You've gone for Bandwagon S. Mm-hmm. Why Bandwagon S? Because they're. Uh, I think probably from a personal connection to that mm-hmm. album and that time uh, yeah. as much as anything. So, I mean, you almost apply the reasons why you choose an album mm-hmm. uh, retrospectively, don't you? That yeah. was an album that came out when I was sort of in the mid- middle of high school, and it was actually one of the few albums that I read about in the music press that I could actually buy in, you know, our price and sterling on tape and they were Scottish and they seemed to be very much of, you know, of an interesting new kind of sound and, you know, Billy Sloan um, now has become, you know, he's, he's, he's obviously, he's, he's well known for kind of his kind of showbiz connections now, but... For his anecdotes. Yeah, yeah, totally. He is, he yeah. is, but I tell you, like, for my, you know, in, in sort of early high school, he had this I, this show on Radio Clyde called Fast Forward, which, yeah. was, a, which was a massively important programme, I think, and yeah. for me personally was, you know, it was, it was like a John Peel show, and the artist he played, I mean, he played, I think probably the first ever radio session by Teenage Fan Club, way before Bandwagon-esque. Mm-hmm. Um, God knows it's true. I remember it was probably the first song I heard. So I'd heard stuff on the radio, but by the time I came to Bandwagon-esque, there was something interesting happening, which was this kind of explosion of something other than the, the, the kind of blue-eyed soul which had kind of prevailed in the yep. in the, the Scottish music landscape. Much as I was a fan of, of a good amount of it, this was a totally different sound. Yeah. And for all, I love Teenage Fan Club's <laughs> kind of birdsian harmonies and, uh, and, and the... the the nostalgic sense of them. I actually think I like Bandwagon S best because it actually was a bit more towards maybe American rock or mm-hmm. grunge or it, it did express other things that weren't necessarily quite as retrospective as as, as some of the areas of music that they've they've maybe explored more sure. laterally. Um, so it was noisy and you could dance to it in the kind of indie discos. Yeah. And, um, and also I think they did an amazing thing which has, you know, has become more and more prevalent in the Scottish landscape which was they did a really, really beautiful instrumental on it as well with Is This Music mm-hmm. um, which which did something different in terms of a, a, a vocabulary for music but also um, used bagpipe guitars to perhaps their last wonderful effect and, you know, that's it was kind of led by a bagpipe guitar melody which was completely different to the way Big Country or or whoever had, had used it. Um, so yeah, from a personal point of view that's the most important album is the one that I listened to on tape and as a result of that came to love every song on it and yeah. I still think something like Star Sign is as 
What You Do To Me is as great a kind of indie Absolutely. pop single as you'll, you'll ever hear. Great, great album. And yeah. uh, uh, the reasons, well, let's see, Chris, why, why have you mm. gone Grand Prix? You know? Right, well, if we were being totally honest, then the, the album for me for Teenage Fan Club would probably be like the greatest hits is my intro. That's what came out when totally, I mean, it was a yeah. limited yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. When I was in high school, I was, mm-hmm. I think, about uh, 15, 16 when the Greatest Hits album came mm-hmm. out. And uh, I'd kind of heard them before. I remember in the mid-90s, my dad got these uh, compilations, Pride and Pride to and it was all Scottish oh, bands around. Oh yeah, 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 I know. Then they're brilliant. And, uh, Nowadays that would be something completely different. Dad, <laughs> 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 no, there's yeah. something you want to do. That's right. So it went. Yeah, but uh, yeah. Well, you know, Annie Lennox was on it. She had, yeah. she had her moments yeah. and stuff yeah. like that. But uh, but. Um, yeah, no, so T- uh, Sparky's Dream was on it, so that mm-hmm. would have been the first Teenage Fan Club song I heard, and I liked it at the time, but I mean, that was mid-90s, you know, it was just another mm-hmm. song that my dad had, and it, uh, they really started to click for me in high school when he got the, the greatest, it was, again, it was my dad who got the greatest hit, so mm-hmm. my dad tends to get, like, compilations, he, there's mm-hmm. not a lot of studio albums, so he loves the Smiths, but he has the best of, he doesn't totally, have the greatest yeah. dead, you know, mm-hmm. he, he loves Teenage Fan Club, but he has the best it's of, he singles. doesn't have Grand Prix, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so I got into Teenage Fan Club around about the same time that I started reading the CDs and taking like the Smiths and stuff like this and around about the time that I you know, was very into the kind of pop side of indie pop you know mm-hmm. I wanted stuff with melodies and I wanted stuff with nice guitar parts and what mm-hmm. have you so yeah I, they're very much associated in my mind the Smiths and Teenage Fan Club has been a band that I got into around about the same time and I nearly put bandwagon-esque on this I, but I could also have put songs from Northern Britain on it I could also sure. put a Catholic education yeah, on it yeah, it was yeah. a very close run thing uh, I think Grand Prix when it comes down to it has uh, I don't want to say the highest hit rate for me but I just think that it has all three of the songwriters operating at mm-hmm. peak form mm-hmm. uh, whereas on something like bandwagon-esque you can say that like Norman Blake runs away with it because he's got like the concept and Alcoholiday and sure. what have you mm-hmm. or you know other ones you could say you know, you know, other songwriters come to the fore but I think in terms of them operating as a band where all three of them where is this egalitarian thing where they all write a certain number of songs per album mm-hmm. and uh, that's it they only have to come up with like four songs a piece every three years so they can polish them down to you know uh, these are pop gems yeah. mm. uh, I think Grand Prix is the best expression of that and it doesn't have the kind of unruliness that they started out with. it doesn't have the kind of sloppiness of a Catholic education or, mm. or a bandwagon-esque but um, yeah no, I think it, it's, it definitely stands apart from a lot of what was on creation at that point in the mid-90s mm-hmm. as you know just something a, a different kind of indie pop you know yeah. a cleaner kind of totally. something that is pop but is still for kind of like the outsiders if you like yeah and I do think it's, it's probably the album that's truest to their sound overall mm-hmm. you know that i think that that um heralded the 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 sound the, i think they found their sound probably yeah. on that album um and so despite the fact that for me actually you know band, band, band magnesca i still feel most closely attached to and it's um for me the album that i enjoy listening to the most i do think probably grumpy is more reflective of their back catalogue and, and and what they've what they've done now and and one of these rare things is a band who have grown up gracefully in their music. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. you can hear the young stuff. This is a young, you know, um, band full of piss and vinegar and mm. blending the, hand, the, mm. the drums. And, and then uh, and you get to Grand Prix and, you know, things are mellow in a yeah, bit. Yeah, sure. Not completely mellow. Mm. Grand Prix, I picked it. You know, I could have picked any album as well. It's, again, it's a personal thing. It came out when I was living in uh, Australia briefly and um, <clears throat> it just meant the world to me. You yeah. know, I just listened to yeah. it. Every song is just fantastic. Um, reminded me of home, but mm. uh, it was great to have around. And yeah, so I'm not going to say too much about it because Chris has 
kind of put forward and it could have been and we'll argue about which one we'll put in later on because I think we could all be swayed yeah. you know if we're still here in three hours and just go so but you mentioned something which is quite interesting I think we could move on to which is Scotland's music scene and its love of the blue-eyed soul because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, you've got uh, Rain Town yep. by Deacon Blue and that was one of the ones I could have put in mm-hmm. but in the early mid eighties, it was everywhere. It was a huge sure. thing, and of course, some of it was awful. Yeah, but some of it was actually very good. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what you feel about this, Chris. I don't know if it's some you ever kind of dipped your toe even. No, really, not especially. I mean, like I guess your dad the didn't have a well, no, he, 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 he did. They were on pride, probably. Yeah, they were on pride. <laughs> again, like Deacon yeah. Blue, it was the stuff that my parents listened to in the car, but they didn't. It's not the kind of stuff that I latched onto. That's very much the stuff that I was not rebelling against. I don't think I ever had like anything that could be considered a rebellious phase mm. or what have you. But um, yeah, it wasn't the stuff that I kind of latched onto. That Deacon Blue was very much a band I associate with being in the back of my parents' car. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Not yeah, yeah. So mm. uh, yeah, I didn't have the same. I mean, it was different coming to like the Smiths and uh, then yeah. teenage fan club and stuff because that wasn't the stuff that got played in the car so much, or totally. at least not when I was a young kid. Maybe mm. when you know I was a teenager, mm. and, uh, my dad would have it and put it on. But yeah, no, I, I associate stuff like Deacon Blue with being like in single digits and being stuck in the back of the car when you definitely don't have a say in what gets played. On <laughs> <the> <laughs> like, I think, <laughs> in retrospect, to a lot of that stuff at that time, I don't know if you agree, gets a really bad reputation it gets all lumped together and yeah. say oh it was all awful yeah. and a lot of it wasn't awful um, particularly Deacon Blue's Raintown which is a well it's a concept album about Glasgow really but it's got some cracking tracks on it it is an amazing I mean it's difficult I've got like I have such a massive massive enduring love for Deacon Blue as I'm sure anyone who has ever followed my Twitter stream for more than 24 hours my first uh, gig at the Barras was Re- oh mm-hmm. really I mean I've, I discovered I was at primary school when I came across them and I just it just blew me away that there was even a I guess because they were that even by Raintown time uh, they, they were quite famous mm-hmm. and they were from nearby and yeah, and yeah but what's uh, you know I think as you say there's the, there's the kind of blue eyed soul thing which gets a bit of a bad press and there's a Deacon Blue thing in general which which gets a bit of a bad press because certainly from I think probably When the World Knows Your Name which is their second album was this massive bombastic you know chart topping thing and it had loads of hooks and all the rest of it but Ricky Rossi's songwriting is way beyond that and, and with Rain Town um, yeah it was a concept album about Glasgow but it never meant it never it does not locate the album verbally in Glasgow no. at any point it's all to do with the illusions and the, the, the sense of the music and the sense of the vocabulary and it's like secrets. It's a secret. No, I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> uh, we've just had uh, we've just had a tweet, and Eaton's obviously already bored. And he's tweeting behind desk there, and he wrote Bad, bandwagon esque or Grand Prix, and Jim iTunes has put Grand Prix. Oh, uh, Jim! <laughs> I am betrayed. Yeah. Do you know what? Do you know what? As a tribute to Jim's exquisite taste, we can discuss this later. I, I, do you know? I am not willing to back down on my love for bandwagon esque. No, no, no. I we think ask it, you to. his call, however, might. might I think that's a, a massively important album and the thing is I think it's a social document as well because it was in a time which 
Um, you know, the entire landscape that Ricky Ross is talking about has has passed now. It was kind of pre-urban regeneration up here. It was pre-Garden Festival. Mm-hmm. It was pre-City of Culture. It was a very, very different Glasgow that he was singing about. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, it was a very personal album as well. Um, and I think that, yeah, if, you know, if the accusations of, you know, overproduction on it are, are basically the, the kind of worst that people can level against it, and that seems to be the case, yeah. then that's really nothing to do with the songwriting or the delivery or whatever. And he took that kind of elemental imagery that, that Simple Minds and you know these er, these these earlier kind of new pop bands in the early eighties had had made into this this kind of huge waterfront rain all the rest yeah. of it and made it either politically yeah. resonant or personally resonant and that that kind of pa- lyrical palette is something that I think still resonates in different ways through our music. So I mean, God, unless you want this to be a total rain time podcast, you should <laughs> shut me up now. Well, but the thing is about the, the like, so on that album in particular, but others, there's other ones as well. Um, would be really controversial and say, you know, the first Wet 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 album isn't a Listen, center. I tell you what, I was not far off putting Popped and Sold, sold out, out on my, on my top ten. Absolutely. And would, for all those things, yep. it, was a, it was before they even thought, bands who, we'll talk about Simple Minds, mm-hmm. bands mm-hmm. before they even thought that they were going to become huge and became yep. huge and kind of lost it for that. They didn't that, know what they were doing. That, but their first records, yep. when they were just doing it for themselves and they might sell a few copies, that, that it's not soulless. It's not uh, yeah. unemotional. It's it's. I mean, Popton's songs are really gritty soul record. Totally, yep. Um, yep. Yeah, I would, I would easily, you know, if that was on a, on anyone's list, I would, I would easily argue the case for that. And I think the thing is, yes, there's, the, there's a blue-eyed soul, and then there's a kind of Glasgow soul, and they were very much part of. They hadn't been, they weren't some manufactured boy band who were then told what to sing. You know, yeah. their songs actually had some resonance. And Marty Pella was a brilliant singer. Yeah. As uh, you know? what was his, what was their manager's name, Elliot? Oh, that's right. Uh, Mason? Uh, something, it might be something like that. Anyway, apparently said once to uh, um, your man from Simply Red, Mark Pell's got more soul in his penis than you have in your entire body. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, no. <laughs> well, there you perhaps, go. Yeah. It's so what they're calling it these days. But it's, it was a lot of it was around, like Hipsway, Love and Money, and all these mm-hmm. bands mm-hmm. were around when I was in my uh, kind of early mid-teens. Um, so a lot of it, again, it was when, it was almost when record companies get their hands into them, they either didn't make any more records or they... Uh, it was just about singles, you know? Yeah, it was just, just about just the singles, like and even the first Hue and Cry album as well. Totally. Um, they, could, they could play, people could sing, there was a real talent, and then... I think also, because so many of them were kind of politically active as well, um, mm. which was great, but it was like almost all of that was compromised, you know, they were, they were doing all these like, you know, huge political rallies and anti-poll tax rallies and, you know, they did have a, a huge social conscience mm-hmm. and all of that's kind of been forgotten because, yeah. because why, I'm not sure. Is it, you know, almost all the artists that we will discuss, uh, the majority of them will have either been on independent labels or have stayed on independent yeah. labels and probably won't actually have sold mm-hmm. that much. And, and, and I'm, the, you know, I'm as kind of biased towards independent music is probably, you know, at least as the next person, if not more so. But there's something to say about, you know, being a little bit kind of prejudiced against the major labels and what they did. And, you know, these people did have massive, massive hits. They tend not to be that representative of them as a whole. And I totally agree with you. Yeah, especially when the world knows your name. That was like the tape in everybody's car. And it was because it was one of those albums to get. I don't think that's representative of them as a a band. Um, And it's a shame it's kind of been overshadowed. And I think what Ricky Ross did, especially with Rain Time and uh, with uh, Fellow Hoodlums, which was their their third album Mm -hmm. and was a love song to Glasgow and and, and 
and signposted it very clearly throughout yeah. Kelvin Way, and you know the whole thing was was about streets and whatever. So it was it was much more actively so than rain time. But you know he was always about you know his near, you know what was round the corner from you and what was kind of your day to day, and that kind of got a little bit overshadowed by these massive, massive fire you know pyrotechnic hits that they had. Yeah, the, and that's the, I think that's the problem. A lot of the bands um, that we're talking about went on to become massive mm-hmm. and we don't tend to like that. And then by the very, by the, by the, by the very uh, you know, you've got to appeal to more and more people mm-hmm. so it becomes wider and mm-hmm. it becomes something else altogether. Yeah. But um, I, you know, there's a few records from that time which are written off, I think, uh, unfairly. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's what I think. And talking of bands who became massive and everyone started to hate them, we've both got Simple Minds albums. <laughs> um, New Gold Dream and you've got New Gold Dream Slash... I've got a slash Empires and Dance. Uh, I mean, I guess, you know, I say Empires and Dance, a lot of it's to do with I Travel, a lot of it's to do with this kind of, you know, the very early music that they made, and I think the influence that it has and continues. Well, they're interesting because they recently, there was an interview with them just recently saying they're going to tour, and they're going to tour, I think, everything... That's right. From the first, the first albums right yep. to I think, the first, I think it started this past yep. weekend. We did it in the bar, we did it in the barras last Saturday. Yeah. I think it was at the Roundhouse last night. And I mean, that's that's been a long time coming because there has been more and more of an understanding that they've actually got beyond that prejudice of Jim Kerr with the billowing, you know, shirts. Blows. You know, the like the, hero. Yeah, <laughs> totally like on the world stage, <laughs> which they did as well as anybody. But they. You know, they didn't just come into that, and I think that's what's interesting. And you know, and because of that, it's like, and I think even Empire and Dance is like their third album or something, isn't it? Mm. They, they had a huge, you know, they had a they had a lot of records, yeah. all of which until uh, I think New Gold Dream was probably the first one that kind of commercially did. Well, that New Gold Dream it? was, if I remember right, was certainly if it wasn't number one, it was number one, number two in yeah. the enemy end of year charts that year. Yeah, sure. Um, so they were they were thought of as a much cooler and much more credible band than say. Even the water, you know, the water boys or mm-hmm, it could be mm-hmm. bunny men even at uh, that point. That time. Even then, yeah. even then, and that's and what then or something, yeah. They got the well, probably got the, the the bass drum on waterfront, and it just got bigger. And yeah. The sound got bigger and bigger, and then of course Mandela Day, Belfast Child, and it just all got a bit away from them, which I think. Kerr and Butchell probably realised themselves. I mean, yeah, that's right. They've been saying in interviews now. It's like you know, you wonder if you had the if you if you could do it again, would you take that huge step into the commercial unknown? Yeah, breakfast club. But the thing is, um, I, I remember reading something about uh, New Gold Dream, which said that it was the first time that they'd concentrated on writing singles rather than mm-hmm. writing an album. Yeah. So and it's a great. It's a totally different. Yeah. Great so I think so that. Um, so what promised you a miracle, I suppose, would you know that was kind of perhaps one of the first times that they'd actually looked at it in the context of a song, as opposed to looking at it in the context of an album yeah. in which disco and prog and you know everything featured as much as rock music or post punk or. It did that thing that was around at the time, but it kind of shimmered. There was a real I mean, a lot of it was to do with the kind of low, light electronics. You know what I mean? You know, they well, were heavy, it. heavy electronics, they took, they took, shimmering they... guitar. There was yeah, all this thing, yeah. and it, it was it was a fantastic sound. Mm-hmm. Chris, any thoughts on Simple Minds here? I'm aware that we are... Not really. <laughs> I was going to hope you just... Do, I mean, no, well, give us the just, other thing. Do you just yeah. see them as, you know, a globe-striding behemoths? I don't really... Well, to be honest, I, I just have I never just really... 
Uh, yeah, well, kind of. I, I've never really gone back to the pre-John Hughes era, you know, with yeah, some minds, yeah. you know, it's always just... Oh, that's some great stuff. I'm sure there I know, I've, I've just, heard enough people talk about it, but it's mm. just a band that I've never gotten round to in terms okay. of that. I think, And it's not, I, I, I kind of, I'm put off by, you know, the, the don't you forget about me and uh, everything that followed on from it or whatever, but, uh, yeah, I know they're just a band I never got around to. The, the extent of my Simple Minds knowledge is that uh, they're, they're all Celtic fans because my dad brings that up. That's safe to say. That's safe to say. Well, let's talk about a band too that I know you do kind of like. Okay. Uh, and uh, you've got Arab Strap and Philophobia. Now, I would mm. imagine this is another band where you could have picked yeah, a few. Yeah, any of them, yeah. No, I love Arab Strap. If I had to pick a, fav- a single favourite Scottish band, it would be Arab Strap. Um, mm. Again, got into them around about the same time as the Smiths and Teenage Fan Club, but uh, doing, well, I suppose not entirely different things from like the Smiths, but uh, just musically a very kind of different style. You know, uh, it, 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 it's kind of... I don't even know where to begin with Arab Strap in a way, you know. Um, <laughs> they are their own yeah. entity. Um, yeah, I would have been about 16 or 17, and it was actually um, an American friend of mine who got me into them, of all things. I mean, it's, yeah, it's weird that sometimes it takes someone who lives half the world away to point out what's happening like 20 miles up the totally, road from yeah. me. Um, but he'd been over visiting during the summer, and he, he made me up what you call it an Arab strap mix and it turned out to just be you know once I actually started buying the album it turned uh-huh. out to just be Philophobia but he put Love Detective from the Red Thread oh, at the start okay. of it sure. uh, and uh, yeah no that was it that was the start of it I mean to me Arab strap although like the stuff that they say about is far removed from the experience of your average high school student in Glasgow mm-hmm. you know to me Philophobia is the sound of being stuck in the sixth year social area in high school during free periods on a wet Friday morning mm-hmm. you know uh, just with the plugs in reading like whatever I was reading in English that week or whatever uh, and yeah it's just that I don't know just aiming off storytelling ability and just the way that uh, Malcolm Middleton compliments it so sensitively you know with his musical back and the way they, they split it like in the credits you know words Malcolm, you know, mm. words Aiden Moffat and music, Malcolm Middleton, you know, they, they, they split it like that, even though obviously they, you know, intermingled, if you like, mm-hmm. or whatever, and mm-hmm. kind of took on bits of one another's, mm. um, one another's duties. But yeah, no, just the fact that, well, first, obviously, hearing it in, you know, an accent that's so thoroughly undisguised, mm. Western Scotland, yeah. or whatever, you know, and, uh, and I, 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 yeah, again, I, I kind of don't even know where to begin, like I say with ours, it just, uh, the, the attention to detail, like obviously, like when you when you're that age, it's the kind of the dirty jokes really in and stuff as well. Mm-hmm. You know the puns, the the the, the sex jokes, the um, the kind of oh my god, I can't believe he's singing about this. This is filthy, mm-hmm. like in a song or whatever. I but, do uh, remember you uh, giving a paper on Aidan Moffat's. Uh, what was the name of the album again? Oh, I can hear your heart. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? There was plenty yeah. of swearing. There was plenty of swearing. Yeah, I remember getting some 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 looks. I did warn people in advance, but I think what I was I read the short story that came with yeah, it that's uh, right. which does contain the, well yeah it's got the joke where he goes into the bathroom cubicle and it's like um, look to the like he sees like a piece of graffiti in front of him and the door says look to the, uh, look to the right looks to the right and says look to your left like look to your left and it's like look above you and somebody's written on the review you're a cunt that's got to be true yeah in, in an academic context that was oh, like, I enjoyed it. yeah um but yeah, no, I think uh, Arab Strap, I, I mean, I did a couple of papers in Arab Strap while we were at uni together, and um, the, I think the other one was 
tying them into like this kind of crossover in Scotland between like literature and, and music, you mm-hmm. know, where you have uh, obviously I think it was around about the time that Ballads of the Book came out, mm, which was the sure. impetus for that. Mm. But you know, between them and like Bell and Sebastian, and he'd even argue with Idlewild as well, where they brought oh, Edwin Morgan yeah. and stuff like yeah. that. You know, there is this whole kind of literary string going through, and with Arab Strap, it is. I mean. Even without the music, the, the, the lyrics for the majority of our strap songs would work as short stories. Totally. Yeah. You know, not even like you get people saying, oh, lyrics can be poetry or whatever, but it's not even that. Like yeah. with our strap, it's fully formed short stories. Mm-hmm. You know, it's these mm-hmm. character sketches, it's uh, whether or not it's autobiographical, you know, it's details and circumstances that you recognize just mm-hmm. from. That's from why that I think uh, what Eve Moffat's doing currently is so perfect because it's almost. Tom Waits esque. He's got the voice. He's got the stories, he has, and he, yeah. can, he can get him out with this fantastic backing as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now you've gone for Arab Strap. I can't remember which one. I've gone for the beat never starts oh, round here. I could, I, I, I could as happily have gone for Philophobia in terms of how much I love those two albums. I guess I've gone for the beat never starts round here because for me they were such a massive, massive new, you mm. know, unheard and unknown kind of force and voice. And so for me, I guess that's where it started. And I mean, I could honestly, I could put down any of, pretty much any of Malcolm's albums since, pretty much any of Aidan's, mm-hmm. certainly this new thing, this recent thing with, with Bill Wells. Yeah. But to me, it's kind of like, that's the root of it all. And I remember I had uh, moved to, to London. And on the first night that I was in London, I put on John Peel and I'd gone and brushed my teeth and gone to bed. And this thing had just started on the radio and I was just absolutely blown away because it was this familiar Scottish accent near from Falkirk. I'm from Stirling, so it was a, it was mm-hmm. like that's not even a glass, you know. That's yeah, a yeah, really, yeah. really close by accent, <coughs> and it was um, the first big weekend, mm-hmm. and that was literally the first night I was in London, and I, I I immediately felt such an attachment to it, and I also felt this massive sense of what if I just left? Because yeah, this is clearly yeah. something that's just starting. Yeah. Um, and I mentioned the Delgados in the original list and I mentioned Mogwai because for me, that was just such a massive, massive movement. And mm. So yeah, so the week never starts around here. Obviously it has the first big weekend, which is, you know, it is, is, is so If they never expressive. did anything else for me. Absolutely. Yeah, it's know. like absolutely nothing else. It still sounds amazing. When they played at Nice and Sleazy's when they did that one-off reformed gig uh, at the end of last year, it just, you remember how much there is, you know, you can't compare them to anything. You can't compare the way Aidan speaks about it. And it's weird because he's come under fire sometimes for being misogynist when in actual mm-hmm. fact I think he's being anything. But I think yeah, he's so yeah. honest and so, you know, brutally um, revelatory about him or his characters, whoever they may be, you know, that it's really, his, his narratives are, are so stripped back. But, yeah. but towards himself, I would say, as opposed to I think against two things, anyone else. Two things strike me there. One, I think if he was uh, a writer rather than a musician or doing put it in song, yeah. he wouldn't be accused of misogyny. Absolutely. Exactly, he'd be accused yeah. of being honest. Mm-hmm. People can seem to get away with that when they're yeah, actually being yeah. honest. Mm-hmm. And the other is the two bands which we've spoken about, which look as though they may well be there at the end, Teenage Fan Club and Arab Strap, both of them do the music still for themselves. They still make music, and they. Whereas the other bands we were talking about that perhaps have gone out of fashion or perhaps were never in Absolutely, fashion, yeah. they were doing. They ended up yeah. doing it for other people, and mm. they ended up doing it because they wanted whatever trappings yeah, that surround yeah, it. Sure. Mm. And I think that's maybe why we end up loving the bands who are either on indie or you know are still on so indie. To do with bands. artistic integrity. It's integrity, and yep. that shines through. Yeah. Yep. Um, which brings us to talk, I think, about the postcard record movement because mm-hmm. there was probably Scotland's most famous indie record label um, you've gone for Orange Juice at the very last minute <laughs> I won't tell you who she kicked out just in case he's listening 
please do. <laughs> Let that never be known. <laughs> uh, I'll just, uh, you can't hide your love forever. Have you got any postcard? Uh, I don't think I do, actually, now looking at it. But, but I know I you did, have I had orange juice on my, my long list, and yeah. it was You Can't Hide Your Love Forever as well. Sure. And sure. I've gone for, uh, who have I gone I for? Think I think Camera Highland, Hardrain, uh, Roddy Frame. Um, it was phenomenal music that came out at that time. Um, the reason I went for Aztec Camera, I, I think they got overlooked. I mean, I think Orange just still are seen as the kind of leading band, perhaps. That's correct. They kind of, they had the, the look and the, they were certainly closer, I think, to Alan Horn and the whole, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, organisation of the whole thing. But sometimes it's a wee bit arch for me, mm -hmm. a wee bit knowing, a wee bit self-conscious, whereas mm -hmm. I don't think Roddy Frame was like that at all. I think he just strapped on his guitar and went, I've written this song. Do you want me to listen to it? And I'm 16. And I'm 16. Oh, God. <laughs> no. And you listen to something, and you know, again, it's like uh, Ringtown. It's about growing up in East Kilbride, but it doesn't specify that. No. And unless you know that, you know, the the Diplomat pop, pub is down the dip where he goes and things like that, you, mm. you, you have to really look into that. But it's just, it's, I think it's a wonderful, warm, incredible record. And still, if uh, Oblivious were to come on the radio, those little notes at the beginning just mm -hmm. make my heart so well. I think mm -hmm. it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, but why orange just for you? Uh, probably because of the very reasons that you're kind of slightly reticent towards. I think they did um, absolutely kind of exemplify such a different movement in mm -hmm. Scottish music and yet they were so knowingly mm -hmm. arch. And mm -hmm. I remember um, the Harry Papadopoulos mm -hmm. exhibition that's just been running, which obviously is, you know, there was there was a lot of orange juice. There, you know, the, all the postcard, all the sound of you in yeah. Scotland, that was very yeah. much what, as a photographer, he he kind of captured. And I, I spoke to Ken McCluskey, mm -hmm. the Bluebells, because he curated it. And he said, yeah, I mean, they all, you know, they, they, they were actively, you know, camping themselves up because they were rallying so much against stereotypes of, oh, the of Glasgow, Glasgow and stereo <laughs> and musical stereotypes of Glasgow and of Scotland, whether that was kind of like Nazareth and that full on kind mm. of blues rock thing or whether it was what what kind of constituted punk up here, which was more the exploited and these acts. So yeah, yeah they were right. I think they almost maybe had to be slightly overly calm. And also, you know, and, and it was like taking a, a whole other vocabulary. So they weren't even going near kind of like Americanisms. It was mm -hmm. almost, you know, even that was very sort of English or very yeah. kind of anglicised and um, and just the sound of them as well, you know, it was like, it was so bright and yeah. shimmering yeah, and it took, right. you know, the rhythms were taken. Don't get me wrong, I from, love orange juice, I just, yeah. you know, I was had to come up with the, the final, yeah, and, yeah. and I was thinking, well, why have, why have I gone for Aztec Camera mm -hmm. and not that? Mm -hmm. But I think you're right, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I remember, the, if you were wearing something like a pink shirt, you were likely yeah. to get a kick into yeah. actually have a bow tie mm -hmm. and all of these things mm -hmm. and have your hair the way that they had it was really quite a brave thing to be yeah. doing. Yeah, so 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 in, in other words, my 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 choice of that is probably slightly aesthetic as mm -hmm. much as, as, as slightly musical. That. And part of that's because it was before my time. I'm not yeah. I'm not I don't have any personal like we're talking about bandwagonesque, I have like, you know, that there are certain things that you just apply such a, or you don't even apply it, it just happens, you have such a personal connection to it. Mm -hmm. um, whereas if you're looking at something from a slightly different vantage point, then you make a decision about it a little bit I suppose be that right or wrong and so because of that it's kind of like you know you apply an understanding of of, of, of a movement and of what was important about that movement and also I love the songs on it yeah, yeah, and yeah. I love it Edwin Collins voice on it's great the guitars are wonderful it's a um, you know it's a it's a great record yeah it is indeed Orange Juice uh, yeah no I think uh, for me Orange Juice are kind of the nearest 
even if they don't necessarily sound a lot like them, I think uh, they're the nearest corollary that Scotland has to like a talking heads or something, where they start to, you know, they start out with one very readily definable style, but then they start bringing kind of, you know, African influences mm-hmm. and stuff yeah, like this sure, and stuff from all over the place. They kind of mm-hmm. mutate and change as they mm-hmm. go on. I mean, over the course of like, it's not even a full four albums, you know, it's like three and a bit albums yeah. That, yeah. that Orange Juice have. But uh, yeah, no, they really underwent some transformations in that time. I think like, you can maybe make a talking heads claim for something like Rip It Up because it's more kind of, you know, it's the more kind of post-punk mm-hmm. rhythms and stuff like this and it's more it's more danceable. But uh, yeah, no, to go from like something like a kind of Scottish Smiths to like a Scottish talking heads to then whatever, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. You want, however you want to label how they ended up, you know, I think they underwent such I think kind they of... they ended up just fighting. Yeah, yeah. pretty yeah. much, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, they underwent such kind of evolution. And I mean, the songs are just great on You Can't Hide Your Love Forever. I mean, they're a band who, because the albums were out of print for so long as well, you know, they just mm-hmm. got reissued in that domino box uh, last year. It was mm-hmm. so, kind of so hard to hear the albums in full a lot of the time. But I kind of had to rely on my dad's old vinyl copy of, of Rip It Up for a lot of yeah, ours just sure. before that mm-hmm. box that came out. Um, so yeah, to actually go back and hear like some of the stuff that had been uh, neglected for years was, was just amazing. And you begin to think like... If this, if they'd had wider exposure, just like the kind of level of influence that they might have had, you know, even mm-hmm. more than they did on, on like bands from outside Scotland as well, mm-hmm. you know. Well, I partly put Aztec Cameron not just for this album, but also Roddy Frame's just one of my favourite musicians. Like, it's an astonishing body of work right up to the the latest solo stuff. And again, he just doesn't seem he does it for himself. I mean, his biggest known album, I think, would be Love. Yeah, yeah. You know, where that was part of that mm-hmm. whole soul thing, mm-hmm. but again. You know, it's been thrown in there, and you think, "Well, this is an amazing record," and it's a, it's absolutely about love, and it's yeah. heartbreaking in places. Mm. Beautifully written, and he's a great lyricist too. Um, but I've always, whenever anything comes out of Roddy Frame, um, I'll go and get it. I think he's fantastic. Mm. Um, right. Well, as another band, we've got all three of us have one. Again, we're not ganging up on you because I know Chris and I have the same album. Is Mighty Blue Nile. Hmm. Now, this is where I start to get, uh, you know, my uh, gloves on. I just, you know, bow to no pay. I love the Blue Nile. I just, mm-hmm. they are my Desert Island band. Um, you've gone for a walk across the rooftops. I remember the first time I heard mm-hmm. that, just mm-hmm. going. You know, what's interesting, you were talking about Billy Sloan's um, Clyde show. And mm-hmm. of course, back, there wasn't a lot of music radio. There was Radio 1, mm-hmm. and then there was your kind of local radio station. Yep. And Radio Clyde, you know, played a huge part of my life, whether it was... Mm-hmm. Tiger Tim at night, or oh, yeah. whether it was, you know, Oh, I sang on that. Do you remember you could phone in and sing? I do remember yeah. well. Yeah, I, phoned, I, I sang Angel Eyes on that when I was, <laughs> <laughs> when I was like, a child. Fantastic. Yeah, because yeah, Tiger just... Yeah. You know, there was, I mean, the, one of the most evocative songs I can think of is Paul McCartney's After the Tiger's Gone. Oh, I know, me too, which yeah. Because it meant That's Tiger, right. and it was nearly my bedtime. That's yeah. right. <laughs> but it was did, really... Did, a, did we ever find out what we were going to do after the Tiger's Gone? Uh, because uh, we were all crying. We were all in tears by then. We were all crying into our pillows. I mean, so Sloan and Tiger Tim Stevens are absolute music legends. And Radio Clyde was really important. They didn't just play a playlist. You know, a lot of people were putting their own thing, spin on it. Anyway, in that background of things, I heard... Uh, across the rooftops and just was going this record is just astonishing and it still is astonishing Mm -hmm. and it's one of these records that I try not to play too much because I love it so much I don't want to you know grow tired of it but yeah I've gone for Hats because I think Hats is almost a perfect record Mm -hmm. so why walk about the walk across the rooftops one answer Tinsel Town in the Name (coughs) yeah 
that's really yeah. you know that for me is is the Blue Nile and yes yeah. I, I have hats and I, I love hats dearly as mm-hmm. well but and it's to do with probably what you heard first and also it was what my parents mm-hmm. my dad and his wife played all the time mm-hmm. and I think that has an impact as well but it's you hear the first few bars of that and it's everything that yeah, the Blue yeah. Nile came to be you know came to came to do encapsulated I just think it's absolutely brilliant as a mood as a piece of music yeah, yeah, as yeah. again a, a very a kind of gleaming love song to a city yeah this city yeah. Glasgow but it could be anywhere yeah. um, I think it's so evocative and yeah it's almost to do with I guess it's a bit like going for the week never starts out here from Arab shop it's to do with it's signalling everything that's to come that, that by comes, an artist and yeah. a body of work and so yeah so it's actually um, to do with the, the song and how much that means yeah, as I much can understand as to, that completely. to the album Chris, you've gone for the hats. hats. Yeah, no, I have as well. I think um, the Blue Nile, I'm realising looking at the ten that I've picked, that I think at least half of them are bands that I kind of got in around about the same time in high school. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, so I think that's a big, like, I mean, it's an yeah, obvious thing to say, yeah. but of course that's when you, you mm. really yeah. uh, make a connection with music. Yeah, and like Arab Strap, they're another one that I came into from a kind of a bleak angle from, like, you know, somebody else kind of getting me to wars and who like, is completely outside of you know the locality or whatever mm. and I actually first heard it, it the first kind of thing related to the Blue Nile I'd have heard would have been a re-recorded version of Let's Go Out Tonight that oh, uh, Craig Armstrong, Craig Armstrong yeah. yeah which was on the soundtrack The Six Feet Under That's yeah. right. which I was right, really okay. into in high school and uh yeah no uh, so that would have been the first thing I heard and it was so completely removed from everything else that like I was listening at the oh, time because yeah. it's just you know it's, it's not an operatic voice that uh, Paul Buchanan has, but it's certainly much more emotive than a lot of the stuff I was listening. I mean, even uh, not to bring the Smiths into everything that I talk about today, but even like you know Morrissey has a kind of croon, but uh, mm-hmm. you know what Paul Buchanan was doing is is the kind of vocal style that it's been kind of cheapened a lot over the years because you associate these big over the top emotions and stuff like this you know the big cheesy productions and stuff and I think if you're not used to that kind of style of singing I mean not that Paul Buchanan gets cheesy but if you don't know anything else by the Blue Nile and you just hear this then it can immediately be like oh are we going to get something a wee bit a wee bit uh, sickly sweet here are we going to get something that they'll that they'll be trying to cover in auditions on you know pop idol or whatever <laughs> just to you know because it's got the melisma and it's got the you know it's the ups and downs and the big range and what have you and it is so completely it's just this kind of wee oasis of calm you know let's go out tonight uh, and then um, yeah I think my dad picked up like the reissues of the first couple albums quite soon after that and one thing just kind of led to another but Hats for me is like again like uh, Grand Prix like Philophobia by Arab Strip it's, it's like the consistent album is the one that like from start to finish works as mm-hmm. an album mm-hmm. you know um, where all the songs just come together and, and you know form this one perfect whole and form something greater than the sum of their parts and it is such a great like again Glasgow album I mean just walking through the streets of the city mm-hmm. with hats playing like maybe you know just as the sun's going down or whatever you know you can really you know it is it sends kind of shivers up your spine you know it's very much uh, um, rooted in its, in its place and maybe even its time but at mm-hmm. the same time yeah. it manages to transcend that and become you know just something that, I think mm. it, I mean it's about a city but it's also about all cities I think yeah, yeah. that's it it's, a, it's an ar- it's, a, it's an urban Lullaby, maybe. Yeah, it's, it's urban really, folk music. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, I completely agree. Uh, Tints of Town in the Rain kind of introduces you to this band, mm. and I think the whole album uh, is amazing. But I think they just took it to another level. I, I, the way I like to think about it is they walked across the rooftops and then they just kind of flew above mm. the city and they just mm-hmm. looked down over the city and you see these little kitchen sink dramas that are going on and, you know 
people crying on the stairs and yeah, his chimney tops, right, yeah. the trumpets. His lyrics are phenomenal. His voice, as you say, is heartbreaking. His beautiful. voice is heartbreaking, absolutely. And yeah. um, I, they, and they would go on to do other great, great, uh, they make great music. I, mean, I don't know if it's ever going to happen again, unfortunately. What was the last one? Was it High? When did they? Yeah, yeah, yeah the High was, was, was the last one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Again, I and it was a yeah, tremendous yeah, yeah. record. And, it, and, and it's because in that context, you just his voice is just perfect. And because they haven't made loads and loads of albums, I think it's preserved that kind of myth and slight sense of wonder about a band who are not really like anybody not that They else. are not like right. anyone else. They kind of, because as you say, there's a little bit of a soulful quality of what he's doing. And he came out in the early and then, well, it was seven years between albums, yeah. but in the 80s. Mm. Um, somebody might throw them in with that whole blue eyes, but it wasn't that it at all. Wasn't. They are not like any other band. Yeah. Um, mm. And they are absolute national treasures. Yeah. And I think it's, they're a band that like are very... It's weird because on the one hand you'd think that they would be kind of widely embraced by like a wider international audience, but then you look at something they can sell out three nights in Glasgow and mm-hmm. then struggle to sell even like south of the border, even in England can struggle to sell out like one night in a thousand seater place. Yeah. So it's weird that yeah. it's a band that have been so embraced by like their home city. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a secret. Yeah, yeah <laughs> you don't want to share too much around. But it. then did he not? Because I mean, there's quite an American fall. It's you know, it's kind of like they're they're they've got a big following in America. But then, Paul Buchanan, did he live? Or did yeah, he, he, lived over he there? did. He was yeah, married to Patricia yeah. Arquette. So well. perhaps it's a bit of that as well. So it preserves yeah. that kind of like local myth without him yeah. being like spotted and you know Falgar Square or whatever thing. Or do you know it's like he's he's kept that kind of slightly sense of being removed from. Oh, absolutely! You still see him wandering down the uh, charity shops of yeah. uh, Byers Road. Yeah. And you go, God, it's Paul Buchanan. Yeah. It's yeah. great, great band. Um, we're spending a lot of time in the eighties and nineties. Let's have a look at some other stuff, which we maybe not all sharing um nicola you've got mogwai and you've got in for young team that's the first one isn't it? it is right so it is. tell us why because it's a bit like i mean it was it was like you know you, you speak about the sign of young scotland and mm. i think you know give it give 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 it a bit longer and there will be an understanding that that was a very mm, important absolutely. period and a very important Hugely. movement in in scottish music and so yeah, I mean, obviously that was another band, as with Arabstrap, who were coming out with a completely different voice and a completely different vocabulary for expressing political things and social things and in ways that were at sometimes, you know, just so peered back and beautifully understated mm-hmm. and other times just so massive and raucous. And um, But there was a real sensibility, Glasgow local sensibility to them. I mean, I think they were still teenagers when they yeah. made it. They were like a gang. Yeah. They were like they this. They were like a young team. Yeah, they really were. You know, they kind of perpetuated that sense of it while making something Thing which you can't immediately locate no. it's not you know it didn't give you any clues and yet the the kind of culture behind it and obviously being with chemical it just it was like a whole new musical landscape album just, absolutely know. absolutely and, and i think again because in terms of the, the the breadth of the album in terms of not knowing what to expect and i think it just encapsulates everything and they've obviously gone in different directions and uh, you know but it was just everything about that 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 first record and, and and them just coming out of what seemed to be nowhere and making this incredibly beautiful but but you know incendiary mm. loud music was like was like nothing else and again you know what it's the legacy it's oh, amazing you know spanned is, is and, and not just here you know everywhere yeah. you know globally there are massive without meaning to I think they really uh, maybe they influenced but they also tapped into a kind of sound that was good that, that suddenly 
there was a lot, you know, explosions in the sky. Um, God's even, you black him. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, even mm-hmm. some stuff coming out of Iceland that was just, um, I see you know, rose. yeah, definitely. loud, loud, quiet yeah. scene. Um, but I don't think many people did it. With the... There's a humour to them yeah, as well. I think, that's I think right, it's so that's important. Right. As you say, it reflects the age yeah, they were and Yeah, yeah, totally. And I think they still do that. You know, they make their political points really strongly, which is, you know, they don't they don't use lyrics to do it. They make their, you know, ideologically they're a really important band. They're quite a politically strident band. They don't stand on a soapbox in, in any way in terms of some any verbal elements related mm-hmm. to their songs. But um, but there's also a massive like you know there's a there's a hugely humorous streak through them, so they don't become that kind of earnest or over earnest. Thing which is sometimes a bit more, um, whether it's true or not, but it's applied to post rock, whether yeah. you know, yeah, it becomes a, mis- a bit, yeah, yeah, whether that's a misappropriation or not. Don't look yeah, at the audience, yeah, and, uh, yeah. Somebody yeah. told me they went to see Explosion in the Sky just recently, and it was a little bit like that. The king of that, by the way, I once went to see Tricky play in the arches, oh, yeah, and the lights down, and stood with his back to the audience, yeah, with the whole king. I dare you be watching me, <laughs> yeah, dare you turn up. can't <laughs> believe you turned up. <laughs> Chris, you've got a, you've got now. If you decided which Idlewild album you're going to go for, I think it's probably going to have to be the remote part. Yeah. I think mm. when it comes down, because again, that was like my gateway to Idlewild. Idlewild again, go back to this. This is a gateway album. Yeah, to, again, go back to like this. Just like really seemingly intense in retrospect to three year period in high school where I got into all of these bands. You are listening a lot. Surprised you passed any yeah. exams. Yeah. Um, no, I think Idlewild. Well, for me, what when I started out getting into you know being kind of more culturally aware when I got into high school film was my thing first off mm-hmm. like, I was really like round about the time like 12, 13 round about the time that maybe people started to take their first steps towards getting into more off the beaten track musical stuff was when I was seeing my first subtitled films and like going you know all this kind of stuff so it, I, I was more in kind of like my mid-teens by the time that I really started to kind of like cotton on to you know musical stuff did the whole like Summer of the Beatles and stuff like this, mm-hmm. and then like went from there. And I think Idlewild were the first band that um, I kind of claimed as my own, like the first kind of still current band that I claimed uh, as my own. You yeah, know, I sure. started going through back mm-hmm. catalog stuff and picked up like some older classic rock stuff. I picked up stuff like uh, Moon Safari by Air and mm-hmm. stuff like this. You know, like kind of more more recent stuff, but stuff that was you know still back catalog at that yeah, point. Yeah. Idlewild were the first band, and it was from uh, the remote part, so it had been about. 15, 16, I think, and it was uh, around about the time that uh, I was studying for my higher English, and the fact that they brought Edwin Morgan on and stuff like this, he had a link there, oh, and there's yeah. a very strong association in my mind between uh, listening to the remote part and reading The Cone Gatherers by Robin Jenkins, and okay. did that mm-hmm. for my higher English, and yeah, no, it just seemed very much, again, very, very Scottish, but at the same time, doing stuff that uh, could be done by like any band in the world. Not, not as a slight, you know, no. I mean, doing something more universally applicable yeah. than that. And um, yeah, a very uh, accessible kind of style of rock music, but still very much applicable to... I have to admit, I've admitted this before, that Idlewell completely passed me by. I must have been either drunk or... Uh, <laughs> I don't know, just for some reason. Um, well, when when did this album come out? Uh, the remote part was 2002. And I mean the Edwin, the oh. Edwin Morgan. And I, yeah. I mean it was. It's like you say. What was so important? I mean, it, it, Roddy Wimble had always been a very literate lyricist, yeah. anyway. But but that that was just such an amazing. It worked beautifully, yeah, didn't it? And Edwin really, Morgan, really Morgan did this kind of poetry in it, and they played over the top, and yeah. it was, and it just it just finished off. It was this beautifully like. I remember I'd just moved back from London, mm-hmm. and um, I was in, in the middle of Glen Lyon in a scout hut. 
And I, I just used to listen. I couldn't believe I was back in Scotland and remember just like looking out the window the whole time with you. And it's probably not nearly as rural an album as I, I kind of made yes, it in my yes. own mind. But it just spoke so much about um, a sense of place and a sense, and it was this real this real combination of m- music, literature, poetry. And as you say, it was it, it was so Scottish, and yet it wasn't. In any, I mean, Edelweiss were always like you know a big, as popular in the states, and yeah, you know, yeah, it wasn't, yeah. Their 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 brand of music wasn't Scottish at all, really. Yeah. And yet the, the because of Roddy, Roddy Wimble's uh, lyrical vocabulary as much as anything, and certainly things like that, it just they, they became that's really embedded in, in the kind of Scottish landscape. I think. Yeah. So, I, I think I heard them early on because I've got the first album. And I went, mm. yeah, I kind of like this, but I've heard it's that terrible thing when you start to go. Yeah, I can see what their influences are, and I like yeah. them even yeah, more. And yeah, I probably sure. dismissed them unfairly. Sure, sure. Yeah. I'm gonna have to go and get oh, this. Sure. I, I, yeah. the REM yeah. was a constant kind of sticking point. Was Absolutely. that they always got compared yeah. to REM? And yeah, I would say yeah. I'd say the remote part is their least yeah. REM yeah. album. Yeah. I think that probably that's that's their kind of sound. I think and as, yeah, a, as a full album. I mean, yeah. if anything, it's like it's their YouTube album. You know, yeah, with like American yeah. English. That's right. I think it was their most commercially successful one, wasn't it? And it like went in quite high in the charts. I mean, American English is just like. You know, without wanting to slight it, it's a U2 song. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's got the yeah. same kind of build and stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, no, it's very much their own thing at the same time. And mm. yeah, it just but that Edwin Morgan collaboration just pushes it. Yeah, I think top. I think for me that's yeah. it exactly. That was just such a such, such an important thing to yeah. do. And they'd come back to it as well. I mean, uh, Ballads of the Book, where they did uh, it was a Morgan lyric that yeah. that mm-hmm. they did at the end. Uh, the last track on that is beautiful. So I really like that was the one when Edwin Morgan died that was the one that I immediately wanted to go back and listen to because it's mm. so heartbreaking it's the one the weight of years the one of dealing with aging and stuff like that yeah. and yeah so I think it was a really a really odd pairing but one like think, a really fruitful pairing yeah, I think for... it had such a resonance as well because you know most of us would have learned that, you know I remember like at high school you know there were the posters with little bits of Edwin Morgan yeah. you know and and so to have this kind of as I say, I just moved back from from living down south, and there was just the sense of everything kind of coming together somehow, and it just, you know, and I and I think it did also reinforce the 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 the, the kind of how erudite and kind of you know literate Roddy Wimble's lyrics had always been, because you kind of look at them again in a slightly different yeah, way and go, yeah. you know, that's just it did it did. Um, the fact that that Edwin Morgan had agreed to it as well, kind of like it was like a you know that that reflected well yes, in Idol well too. Of course, you know? of course. So I think that that worked beautifully for both parties, and yeah, you you really you, you really should uh, I listen will. to it. Um, I'll take one of mine that is on its own and go back, go go way back to uh, Sensational Alex Harvey Band and Next. Now, <laughs> this is before my time even, but um, I I must have picked the, the album up in the late eighties and just because I'd start to learn about Alex Harvey yeah. and just just one of the most incredible front men anyone. Yeah. So if I've ever come from anywhere, yeah. and I was watching a few of the videos last night on YouTube, just when I was going through my top ten, and it just this guy who's almost like wanting to pick a fight. He's the hardest <laughs> man in the room, you know. Yeah. And the fact that you you've got a, a, a guitarist who's willing to dress as Piro face paint and wear a guitar, you know, he could get away with that because he knew Alex had his back. <laughs> and there's this brilliant clip where he's doing Boston Tea Party and he's singing the huge straw hat and these tiny denim shorts. Mm. And, and you just think, nobody's going to mess. He, he just had this incredible stage presence. Um, the threat of violence was, was almost there. And in this album, more than any other thing, mm. that comes through when you've got the song Faith Healer oh, and he's yeah. singing, Can I Put Your Hands On You? It's threatening, mm-hmm. it's palpable. It's uh, And he was, he was it was a real, I think he was a force of nature, Alex Harvey. I just, um, 
always try and tell people, you know, if you want to know about Scottish, you have to go back to Alex Harvey because uh, he um, he was just knockout at a time when there wasn't that. So you say there was Nazareth, there was Average White Band, there was, ah, you know, there, yes, was, there, was yes. there was some bands who were doing quite well, but th this was something altogether. Um, mm -hmm. He would have fitted in at any time. And the yeah. kind of sense of theatre about him as well, like covering brow and stuff like that. Exactly. You know, very much. Exactly. And here's this guy uh, who would just take on anything. It was theatrical, mm -hmm. um, it was lyrical, it, 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 you know, there was Braille, there was um, Boston Tea Party, you know, he was dealing with really odd uh, subjects in his songs. Yeah, he had originally been sold as Scotland's answer to Tommy Steele, like kind of wee rock and roll, <laughs> yeah. and then, you know, he was, he was just a phenomenal. He's, one of, phenomenal. he's one of the few, like, real kind of pop figures that Scottish music has had like you don't you don't there aren't that many you know like iconic sort of you know out there characters it tends to be bands doesn't it, tends it? To be bands. there aren't that many who like just stand alone like even if you don't know their music you just know of them and he's yeah. kind of one of those isn't he yeah because right? I mean, Annie Lennox is known more for her still I think in Scotland anyway she's thought of as a eurythmic before she's thought yeah, of as being yeah yeah and she's and she's probably as close as well you know there yeah. aren't that many you know like standout kind of you know, histrionic or kind of like heroic pop characters really yeah. that have been on this. And that's the thing, although it was the sensational Alex Harvey band, it was that. Yeah, totally. Alex totally yeah. It was the sensational yeah. Alex Harvey. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 I do, you know, the sensational Alex Harvey, comma. Yeah, band. yeah, and band. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, uh, they tried to reform recently to, to obviously not reform. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Just as Saab and you think, mm -hmm. oh, I know why you're going to do it, but really, but it's still that's awful. not a good yeah. thing. So another one, I think, um, let's, have a look. So let's go bring it right up to date, because you've gone for uh, King Creasel and John Hopkins' Diamond Mine. Oh, yes. That's a fantastic record. It's one I've got into more and more um, since it's come out. I've started mm -hmm. listening, when I first listened to it, I went, yeah, that's nice. Mm -hmm. And then, um, actually, Peter Ross have got in touch and said, this is my album of the year, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. So I started listening to it more and more and I'm like, no, no, this is a phenomenal record. Mm -hmm. So why have mm -hmm. you picked it? The thing with King Creosote's albums and back catalogue is that there are so many of them and mm -hmm. so many of them are absolutely wonderful and depending on what day of the week it is, yeah. I'll have one favourite or another from probably about 15 of 40 and the rest of the time there'll be one of the other you know it, it changes quite often and that's I think what's wonderful about his yeah. work um, so I've gone for Diamond Mine because it actually spans his entire career mm -hmm. I think it's as cohesive a body of work as he's, he's done um, and I've also gone for it because in terms of Scottish albums it's so utterly embedded in a, a, a sense of place and a sense of time and yet it's universal and it's got universal themes in it you know about yeah. the passing of time and life and you know whatever I just I, I think it's it's evocative it's I mean he, he's quite open about the fact that he wanted to kind of set out to create this this work with John Hopkins that was kind of reflective of Talk Talk Spirit of Eden and I, yeah. and I think that's yeah. really what it is in a kind of Caledonian landscape it's it's really it's a it's a mood it's a it just it it stops you in your tracks, yeah. you know. It, it it plays with every every sense you have, and 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 also, and I think it reflects, you know, one of our most important artists. You know, I think. Uh, it's, I think if you haven't got a copy after that, you should go and get one. It's <laughs> all those things, absolutely. And I think actually the problem previously was that it was that with uh, King Kizot that it was 
so eclectic. I think some people had a problem pinning down just what is it I like about this. That's the beauty of it, and that's the problem. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And everyone has their favourites. Uh-huh. So you know, I don't. You know, I think even you know within his, you know, his, you know, even the most diehard of fans you know, would be hard pushed to honestly say, well, because it's it's also, there are so many variations of all of his yeah. songs as well. And I think what John Hopkins has done in, in, in some cases here has really got the, the the kind of quintessential versions of, of some songs. And these some songs he wrote as a teenager, yeah. some songs he's written, you know, in the last couple of years. Um, so yeah, and, and I do think it's very important because it's kind of, it signposts what our music is up here and in quite a different way. It's not like anything that has been put out by a Scottish artist's before and although that's not the reason I've chosen all these albums, it is the reason I've chosen a lot of them yeah. because they've just completely kind of changed the way we we understand what it is to be a Scottish yeah. artist. It's, an, it's interesting that a lot of the ones we're talking about are unashamedly talking about where they come from. Yeah, it's rooted yeah. in, um, as you say, a time and a place, mm-hmm. particularly mm-hmm. a place. And so there's a connection that there's an understanding that uh, perhaps gives a wee extra one. A, a wee extra bit of knowledge about about the, the albums that we're yeah. talking about something something added on mm-hmm. um, I think it's interesting that it came out the same year as the uh, Moffat and Wells oh, album oh absolutely because they, they think yeah. together they are there's, a there's, real uh, yeah. if you want to tell anyone uh, about Scotland in the last 20 years then you say well I'll go away and have a listen to these yeah. I think they would yeah. give you a good idea yeah and I toyed with putting I mean I, I did a I did a round up of, of, of last year's albums for the mm-hmm. Herald at the end of the year and you know, luckily I wasn't asked to put them in any order, but absolutely, <laughs> you know, everything's getting older. Bill Wells and uh, Aidan Moffat and uh, and John Hopkins and King Street, so it's Diamond Mine were, were were the two because they're and they deal with they deal with similar themes in a way. But the reason I just feel for me it's the starting point with with Arab Strap. I think that's you know that 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 that's reflected throughout their career and everything that Aidan's done since. Whereas I think with Diamond Mine that spans everything from the other from the other end. That's it's still this all embracing piece of work, and yet it's also about a day to day in Fife, and it's also this universal thing that just makes you go well, just stop and have a yeah. have a think for a moment, you know. Um, I've no- noticed that we haven't spoken about Bell and Sebastian, and you've got if, mm. if you're feeling sinister. I do, and am I the only person who's put a Bell and Sebastian in their time? You are, interestingly. Yeah. Yeah. Controversial. My, my, my yeah. thought is, I they are one of my favourite, well, one of my favourite bands, they're one of my favourite singles bands, yep. yeah. but I would say not one of my favourite albums bands. Yeah. I think they do, I think there is an argument to be made for that. Yeah, they're... they're <laughs> Look at your face when you said that. He's like, he's got a pen like yeah. a knife. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like, I think I'm like snapping a pencil in my fingers. <laughs> this is what we call. He's drawn blood in his hand. <laughs> this is what we call a volunteer moment. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 However, in that I'm going to end it by burning your flat down yeah. and run off Catherine okay. into the night. <laughs> <laughs> okay. yeah. There is an argument, but it's, it's, a, terrible it's a terrible argument. argument. Well, no, I think like definitely. I mean, I can see the point, but I because they're not necessarily the most consistent in terms of their albums they had the kind of I don't know if you would call it a fallow period but a period where they kind of went out of favour for a couple albums between Boy With The Arab Strap and <laughs> Coming Back With Your Catastrophe Waitress um, and yeah I, I mean like, I think If You're Feeling Sinister is is clearly like their their most cohesive piece of work mm-hmm. and is the one that works best as an album um, I do think that there are other ones that are like, like I think Dear Catastrophe Waitress is a great album as well I think yeah Tiger Milk's a great album mm. but yes. um, yeah I can I can see what you're saying like I mean Push Barman Open Old Wounds might have been a good show in here as well just because it collects all the EPs and the singles and what have you yeah um, mm-hmm. but no if you're feeling sinister again it's 
it's such a kind of um, just like you're saying about orange juice. It's so kind of breaking with the traditional image of Scotland in a way. But like to outsiders, it's breaking with the traditional mm-hmm. image of Scotland. But at the same time, it's an image that's very familiar to anyone who's set foot in the West End by night. Yeah, absolutely, by night, yeah. yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Um, <coughs> but yeah, no, I, I think it's just the um, the kind of the the. Again, like Aristotle and Idlewild, the like the very explicitly literary nature of the lyrics Absolutely. and the fact that they are like these short stories and character sketches mm-hmm. and stuff. But then I like to just the most like kind of joyful, bouncy pop tunes and stuff. And I think uh, they have like I don't I don't think edge is the right word, but they definitely have a kind of an, an underlying darkness to them. Bell and Sebastian, I think a lot of their imitators miss that mm-hmm. where, where they're not just twee Bell and Sebastian. You know, I think that's an easy label to put on them. Uh, because you know they there's loads of songs about teacups and what have you <laughs> gigs and churches and but yeah no it, it's a very easy shot to take at Bell and Sebastian I think there's definitely more going on there I think there's a complexity to them a complexity and a, maybe an ambivalence about their kind of the characters and their songs and what have you and a kind of a, a, a distance that maybe again like if it was literature people would just take as read but mm. because it's it's music people and there's this whole aspect of like the confessional singer songwriter or whatever yeah. everybody mm-hmm. seems to just automatically assume it's autobiographical and that's how Stuart Murdoch really feels about stuff um, I think there's more going on to them but I think more than anything else just the songs are amazing no they are and, and if I think if, I was, if we were recording this even five years ago mm-hmm. I definitely would have had a Bell and Sebastian album yeah. there yeah. Um, but yeah I, I think now I go back and I do listen to songs more and I think that's a, a maybe changes in listening habits perhaps more than anything I wonder if it's partially that as well I mean I absolutely love the mythology of Bell and Sebastian mm-hmm. and I absolutely I mean but it is it's like Dog on Wheels that EP I absolutely mm-hmm. and then perhaps it's to do with a certain time as well you know so absolutely love it but it's like I the, I kind of like they're slightly I mean if like Rocky like a love lazy line painter Jane yeah, yeah, yeah. I would go for Tiger Milk over I think I if you're if you're feeling well. sinister and but again perhaps that's just because again that was kind of like you were you were there was a there was a certain mythology applied to that and the songs again weren't like anything that you'd really heard certainly not in that period I mean there was a whole kind of Glasgow that was kind of mid 90s and there was a big mm-hmm. kind of DIY movement in Glasgow which was a bit more geared towards kind of noisier alternative rock bands, post-rock bands, whatever, and they just weren't like that thing. No, exactly. Um, but I think in terms of um, their influence, and perhaps it's still a little bit too, you know, if we're having this in 10 years' time, I think there's a, I would probably be applying the, the orange juice. You know, it's almost like it's to do with their importance as well. But as, as standalone albums, yeah, I've just never quite... There isn't one that I would say stands out as an entire strong body of work just in its own right as you say Alistair by that point are we getting a bit is it a bit easier to you know it's just a CD or whatever it's a bit easier to skip to the songs that you like yeah exactly you know as opposed to it being the tape or whatever despite the fact that I bet almost everyone has I've got a few feeling sinister on vinyl because they were doing vinyl Mm -hmm. at a time when it was a bit out of favour they're Um, a fantastic band so yeah yeah and like their artwork everything about them their whole you know their their, their imagery everything was perfect well that's it they're a complete package you know it's not just in a way it's not just the albums it's like they're so and the sleeve you know the liner notes they know mm -hmm. what makes a band you know they know everything that you have to do they've thought it out yeah. they've planned yeah, it out before yeah. anything goes in not that it's completely rigid and controlled and stuff like this but there's no yeah. room for spontaneity but they know no, they've thought about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, they know how to play with the iconography oh like yeah 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 but yeah I think I would say yeah I love yeah. them I love I love them but I love their their songs more than their albums, their albums yeah. I guess and I think it's, it's maybe interesting to note that out of all the albums that we talked about here today that maybe 
if you're feeling sinister, it could like just in terms of like re- response from around the world is maybe like the most acclaimed like Scottish album outside of Scotland. I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look mm-hmm. at stuff like uh, it placed at like number what eleven or twelve in Pitchfork's top. 50, well, 50, 100 albums of the 90s and stuff like this. Was pretty high up. I think it was number one yeah. in Spain. Yeah, but for 1992, for a single mm. year. Yeah, yeah. Okay, like, I see. Is, like, still is, being talked about. And that was contemporary. I mean, like, this was, like, well, I don't know when Pitchfork put that list out. Was it maybe, like, three or four years ago or yeah, something? Yeah, quite uh, oh, that's right. And that's if right. your feeling sinister was in the top 20, and mm-hmm. I mean... Okay. Like nowhere, no other Scottish bands anywhere near it. I don't think. Yeah. Maybe like yeah, Teenage Fan Club in the lower reaches. I didn't see Rain Town in that yeah, goddamn list. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but and not just that. I mean, like in terms of their influence, Bell and Sebastian are out there with like the Jesus and Mary Jane and the Vaselines as the most influential Scottish bands. Yeah. Oh no, without ever, yeah. without, without a doubt, without a doubt. Um, we're talking about influential Scottish bands, an influential time, and I'm the only one that's. Uh, Put it down. It's Primal Screams, Scream of Ah, oh, yeah. Now yeah. again, it's a time yeah. and a place, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Primal Scream mm-hmm. are the band I've seen live more than any other band, and mm-hmm. sometimes they've been awful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But sometimes mm-hmm. they have been just religiously good. I mean, mm-hmm. just phenomenally good. And Scream of Delica, again. I've, we've talked about this before. It's not really a Primal Scream album. It's an Andy Weatherall album. Yeah, yeah, you know, absolutely. He, put, he they, he, they took mm-hmm. um, the little ending of. Uh, I, I mean, I was a bit of a fan before that anyway, and we got Primal Scream by Primal Scream album, yeah. which is then trying to be, you know, the Stooges and mm. uh, Underground. And, yeah, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Um, and I'm losing more than I'll ever have is probably the standout track on it, mm-hmm. and this lovely bit of guitar. And for Andy Weatherall to hear that and say, I think I can do something with that, yeah. and then this it mushrooming was. into mm-hmm. this huge thing of Scream of Delica. Um, it's most of the tracks on it are fantastic. I haven't listened to it much lately, so it's maybe dated terribly. I'm not sure. I, but I don't think so, given the amount of you know they've been they've been touring it. Yeah. It's been, you know, so I. I, well, I that, think... Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, that could be nostalgia from old mm-hmm. ravers, <laughs> to, uh, you know, relive uh, relive the you know the tunnel or something like that. But it's still a great album. Um, they've they are an amazing band in that they just. They're, they're the magpie of bands they say oh well, I like a little bit of that yeah. we'll go in a little bit of that and, and often they do it well sometimes they don't but mm-hmm. they, they just kind of keep on going mm-hmm. um, and they, they're not afraid to look ridiculous and I think sometimes that's quite a good thing uh, but I, I think Scream of the Elk is a great album I th- uh, yeah I mean in terms of Primal Scream I think that is their quintessential and yeah, I mean I, I don't I just I honestly I'm not that moved one way or the other really about Primal Scream at all they at just all. never honestly really caught my imagination and that's probably a feeling on my part rather than theirs and I'm sure they won't lose any sleep over it but it's not something I didn't particularly I think perhaps because of exactly what you're saying they are this kind of magpie band and I never really got a handle on what they were doing enough to attach myself to I I kind of agree with that I think it almost became that the producer that they worked with became more important than actually what they were doing they went to other people and said right how can you make us sound like the Rolling Stones it it was that and honestly I would be like you know I think I would I think I would just go and listen to the Rolling Stones it was almost like you know if you're you're going to hark back to something that much I'd actually rather learn and they don't listen yeah, the yeah, first totally. album was the birds you know they yeah, always yeah. so it did you know again the odd single but overall it's not um, I've just never really now I've never really spent that much time with it as a result of that yeah. so perhaps I, I will have some you know epiphany and, no you know, no I think that's interesting like, but know. it also allows you to talk about that time because the early 90s dance music going around 
Scotland didn't really, there wasn't really a huge amount of stuff going on. There wasn't, because I guess, I guess there was a lot of rave culture, so a lot of mm-hmm. it was kind of happy hardcore and KLF, stuff, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, KLF. KLF. That's a good yeah. yeah, that's probably, and I mean, that, that you know, again, uh, singles. Yeah. Amazing. Shaman, Absolutely of shaming, yeah. Tell, I tell you what, I tell you what, the <laughs> Shamans in yeah. Garbage Love We Trust, that's a brilliant album. Mm-hmm. They were really quite psychedelic when they started. Yeah, yeah that's right. I remember seeing them in a field in Ratloch. Are you familiar with that block? <laughs> it's not. It's Can't like say I am. It's just not, off the top of my head. You maybe need. I mean, you know, jog my memory. It's I kind of. It's, a, it's not. It's kind of. You know, a fairly rundown area in Sterling, which was the least. which is the least. And I, like my mum's from there. I'm not. You know, I, no. I, I feel I can speak freely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like probably the least likely. Uh, you know, location for a festival. So I guess this is maybe 1989 or something mm. like that, 1889. And uh, the Shaman played, uh, they shared a stage with Run Rig, uh, Hugh and Cry. Wow. <laughs> anyway, and Deacon Blue. And, uh, and the Shaman were amazing and they had this album in Garbage Trophy yeah. Trust. Now, obviously, they kind of attached themselves more to kind of the rave scene and, mm-hmm. and, and, and uh, eventually became quite big selling kind of yeah, dance stars, didn't they? But that first album. Well, they had old What's His Name on. Mr. C. That's right, Mr. C, yeah. But that first album in Gorbachev Trust is actually a brilliant album. And again, there's nothing really like that in Scottish music in terms of this kind of really trippy, psychedelic, mm-hmm. um, politicised dance music. Uh, I don't even know if you can still get that record, but it's actually really, really good. Ah. And there was that, yeah, there were there were a few kind mm-hmm. of electronic Scottish artists at that point, but I think they were they were that kind of fed in from the, the resurrection you know, from these huge kind of rave. It was quite interesting that a lot of the music, uh, a bit when we were talking about the Blue Eyed Soul stuff and sure. looking back to America, and and here again, the, the stuff, as far as I was concerned, that was mm-hmm. popular in clubs was Chicago House and Detroit, and it was again, it was looking over to America, and it was often instead of looking for anyone that was doing the music here, yeah, with the exception of the Slam Boys, mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm. bringing people over from the states to That's come right. tonight. We've got. Yeah, it is. Teddy Richardson yeah. or something like that. Yeah. And if not that, then Rotterdam. And it was like the other, because if you're happy hardcore scene. See, and that was something I missed out on, but that became yeah, very big up here, yeah. didn't it? I remember that somebody, watch it, it might be Q Magazine, did a map of which dance uh, uh, styles were popular. Yeah, where, happy hardcore. And happy hardcore up here. Just the harder, yeah. the faster, the better. That was like my first ever job that I had. It was when I moved to London and I was running a dance label importing happy hardcore records and basically then flogging them to Scotland. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, you know, London, fine. Nowhere in between. Midlands a bit and masses, masses in Scotland because it was just a little You're huge. a happy hardcore dealer. Yeah, I was actually. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, that's what those smiley faces were. <laughs> <laughs> yes, for my yeah. sins. So there you go. Right, um, I'm really time is cracking on here. I'm sure. Give us, give us a verbal time. One hour thirteen. Oh, that's not too bad. We've got to come up with a fa- with a, a five. Uh, a five. So I tell you what, pick one of your lists that you really want to talk about that we haven't spoken about, and, and then we will uh, try and, and round things up. So uh, Nicola first. Oh. Um. Or. Uh, I'll go for. Mhm. This oh. difficult. Do you know, I'll go for the associates. Sulk. Oh, excellent. Yeah? Good choice. Yes, yes. Um, because I think we, we, we spoke a bit about the sound of young Scotland yes. and about Orange Juice and about Aztec Camera. I think the associates were something else entirely in terms of what they 
in terms of their sound more than anything, Absolutely. in terms of their and everything we've said that later in the in the eighties became a point of criticism in that you know things became too glossy and too overproduced. Ironically, is exactly what I think made the associates sound and what made them stand out from everything else in terms of not just in terms of Scotland, but in terms of the whole kind of new pop mm-hmm. scene as it was. I mean, obviously, no one really sang like Billy Mackenzie oh. and. You know, but but there was a. I mean, I, I think I, I remember reading a thing about Sulk in which he'd kind of spoken about the, the the idea that he wanted it to sound, you know, opulent and expensive, and he wanted it to sound like, you know, these luxurious threads and like, you know, all these exotic. It was from Dundee, and it was again, it's kind of this this absolute, you know, the, the incongruity between, especially then we're talking about Dundee before it had been yeah. degenerated in any way. We're talking about a really really grey kind of fairly downtrodden city and this absolutely shimmering body of work from you know from 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 this couple of guys who you know i read tom doyle's reissued biography oh yeah it was out last year and right from the beginning he Mm -hmm. lived like a pop star yeah he what you know even though he couldn't afford it at all he was that person and you know we're talking about it would be quite brave for uh, the Orange Juice Boys to be uh, you know walking around Glasgow to be Billy McKenzie and Dundee oh God, my yeah. good God <laughs> you know that's real bravery that's real hard that's a proper hard man he, he, he was an astonishing figure the music they made for a few albums was just we were talking Blue Nile not being like anyone else the source mm-hmm. it certainly went like anyone yeah. else yeah and then again I think in terms of like the way they, I'd say especially around about uh, so I, I think they had these two kind of infamous Top of the Pops Appearances mm-hmm. and dressed in like the sailor and, suits and stuff. That's right, yeah. and I think on one he went in with. I think for for like part of years two two they, they played and he had like you know chopsticks in his hair and a banjo and all the rest. Of it. And then I, I that think was a Rankin had the chopsticks yeah, and the banjo yeah. and he's dressed completely in white, yeah. including white gloves. It's, it's like so classy. And then the next one, I think they had. I think that another time they had. A, they they got like a chocolate guitar specially made, and, <laughs> you know. And then and then as part of it, they fed it to the audience. So there was this whole sense of like consumption with them as well. This kind of very luxurious like. Opulence, which in a way you could say was a, you know, was like a, a, a satire or a critique on, I don't know, popular culture. Well, certainly, they, probably. But they, yeah, but they also, they totally lived that and they totally expressed it. And I think Silk, Silk even now, it got reissued quite recently, mm-hmm. didn't it? And it still just sounds so so sumptuous. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas with the post-punk thing and then with the sound of New Scotland, it was uh, Young Scotland, it was still quite... Um, Stripped back, yeah, and they were almost the, the opposite of that. They were almost they were cl- close to the whole blitz scene that was going on in London. Yeah, yeah. They were very kind of like that, but they, there was always a tongue in cheek. I felt with Billy McKenzie, he was almost literally winking at the audience, going, yeah. I'm having a great, can you believe I'm getting yeah. away with this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas bands like Spandau or Joran or stuff like mm. that, you know, far too seriously to themselves, far it. too seriously. Yeah. But he, uh, it was like he they was would never do a chocolate guitar, they were too busy yeah. working. No, we really do want to go to, but Rio. I think it was that's it. I think that was almost kind of like a, a yeah. A commentary on that. It was like you know, this is how ridiculous. This is how we just got this thing made by Harrod, right? It's like hundreds of, you know, I don't know, like a grand or whatever. Yeah. And he, you know, eat it, have a bit, yeah, of, yeah. have a bit of us, you know. <laughs> exactly. So it was almost like the. It felt like the associates were in on the. It wasn't new pop, wasn't a joke by any no. stretch, but it was like they were in on it. They yeah. understood it, and they knew, you know, they understood the, the aesthetic of it and the mythology that they were, they were creating or or reconstructing or deconstructing. Yeah. Whereas, as you say, Spandau by that point, that's it. They were actually a lot more kind of. Taken in by it, they were taken in. They, they bought into their own myths. Yeah, Billy McKenzie would never allow that to happen. Yeah, and and of course the the, the you know the songs. And of course, yeah, well, you know, what just a, I mean, standard. well, that's the thing. As a, as a singer, what's his name? Hadley sounds like a you know 
goose farting in the fog yeah. to borrow from my fellow Connolly. You know, Billy McKenzie had the voice of an angel, just yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah, and I think on Sulk again, you know, you get these the real the real highs, the real, the real kind of soaring voice, but it's it's just it's perfectly framed mm-hmm. in this in this yeah. kind of you know lush lush soundscape. And just as a side note, I mean, of all the bands who existed in Scotland in the 80s who could have done a cover of Love Hangover. Yeah, you know, exactly. Uh, for it to so be true. the associates that yeah. took it and then did that with it. You yeah. know what I mean? Of all the kind of, like you say, blue-eyed soul bands that are kicking about, who could have done like a fairly straight cover They would have done it? like an earnest. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. To then turn it into this like symphony yeah. of like all these kind of like look back yeah, he's operatic he's an yeah. operatic yes. figure not yes. just as a singer yeah. but his whole life everything mm-hmm. it was like mm-hmm. you know um, he what was I going to say there they they are a band that I can put alongside Blue Nile partly because you were saying you've listened to your first hearing mm-hmm. um, Tinseltown and mm-hmm. I remember first hearing Party Fears Oh God, yeah. I've never heard anything like no. this before, and this yeah. comes from Scotland. Uh, yeah, I mean, you say even yeah. more it comes from Dundee, but yeah. just just mm-hmm. the lyrics. This at the end, his voice. You think that is a voice that can crack glass. Mm-hmm. Just amazing. Mm-hmm. Right, um, one for you, Chris. That you want to talk about okay. before we round um, up? I'll talk about uh, fourteen Ottomans and fifteen Lickers oh, by right. Twilight Sad uh-huh. because uh, whilst. I don't want to say my ardour has cooled on Twilight Side because I still think they're probably the best band currently working in Scotland but I mean it's certainly cooled from a couple of years ago when uh, when I did my Sub City show and we did our best of the decade countdown and I put 14 albums and 15 winners at number one ahead of Kid A by Radiohead and Sound of Silver by LCD Sound System I'd go I with that loved this album <laughs> so much when it came out as I say I think uh, I've kind of cooled has given the wrong impression I kind of have a bit more distance from it now but when I first heard it again it was that sense of like I'm hearing something completely unique at the mm-hmm. time like from the opening notes like I first heard it uh, a mate of mine put um, Cold Days from the Birdhouse as the first track on a mix CD that he made oh, for me wow. and it's the kind of thing where you like I don't think I've listened to the rest of that CD <laughs> you know yeah. you just wear out the opening the opening track just from the kind of those opening notes with mm. the piano notes behind it and the, that guitar part that like, they never play live you know you never hear a, a kind of a, rendi- a live rendition of that song as it is on yeah. the album uh, and it is such a kind of unique sound it's almost like finding the midway point between like Bell and Sebastian and Mogwai which is something <laughs> like you know mm-hmm. is a combination I don't think anybody would ever have thought to put together but um I really like bands who make a lot of noise but make it within like a structure, you know, that mm-hmm. they'll take like a pop song and then just scribble all over it or something. Mm-hmm. I think that's what the Twilight Sad do is they have these very kind of almost kind of classical song structure. They don't really have choruses, but they're very melodic and they stick to that. It's not just like um, kind of the more exploratory stuff that Mogwai do or anything like this. They take you know lyrics and they take strong melodies, but then they make this kind of wall of sound to go behind it as well. And um, they've kind of gone more into their uh, wall of sound stuff I think on further albums like on mm-hmm. Forget the Night Ahead it was more kind of almost industrial in a way and uh, on this new one that they've got um, no one can ever know it's more of a kind of synth driven stuff so they're still well it's Andrew Weatherall it's Andrew Weatherall yeah, yeah. Or he mm-hmm. anti- anti-produced it or <laughs> whatever they put it but um yeah, I, I still love what Twilight Sad but I think their albums have become more reflective of their live act and I think mm-hmm. uh, that's their live act has never fully captured what they sounded like on 14 Autumns and 15 mm-hmm. Winters where you had this kind of kind of in a way folksy instrumentation there's accordions and there's acoustic guitars yeah. and stuff like this but at the same time just creating this utter racket and it's, 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 the, it's the most beautiful wall of noise that I think mm-hmm. I've ever heard it's just it's again very uniquely Scottish uh, James Graham doesn't make any attempt to disguise his accent or mm-hmm. where he's from I think he's talked in interviews about being really heavily influenced by Arab, Arab Strap for that uh, but 
Yeah, and these kind of elusive lyrics and kind of, again, vaguely about childhood and there's kind of a vague thematic thread going through the album, but just, yeah, the songs themselves are just completely... To me, it just it just takes me back to, like, my last year of uni. That was, like, the album that defined my last year of uni for me. And, again, just walking through Glasgow in the winter with, like, the snow coming down and stuff like that. It's a very kind of wintry album as another well. Another time in another yeah, place. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, like, for me, the thing that captures it most for me is they used to come on stage to uh, the music from Edward Scissorhands. Oh, and, uh, that's it for me. It's almost like something about a fairy tale or something. That album. It's not like it, not in a kind of like twee way or anything. No. But it does seem like it exists on some kind of otherworldly plane or something. You know, something not quite in reality. Yeah, and not just not quite right about things. Yeah, and that's. I think that I think they're an amazing band. And, and again, that goes back to something you said. You know, early on about that kind of that that seam of Scottish bands who are, who. Are, you know, who are really close to literature as well. And I think especially yeah. the, the, the track titles, they still are, but much less so than on 14 uh, Autumns. It was... Um, even even the track titles tell a story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the um, At Home... That, that summer, summer at I'd home become, I'd become the invisible yeah, boy. Yeah, that was... And, and that's a reference to Stand By Me, isn't it? Yeah, there, yeah. there is that slight sense of that childhood thing and that kind of uncovering something you didn't really want... You know, and, and that's that's and that sense, I think, still resonates through their music. Yeah, but there's that sense when you listen to, like, uh, That Summer at Home, where the, like, the chorus... Well, that's one that does have a chorus, actually, yeah. but it's kids are on fire in the bedroom. And there's just this underlying sense that maybe that's not a metaphor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 that, and that's exactly how they want it. And that's what's yeah. so brilliant about it, you know. They absolutely... You know, they leave everything really... In one way, the lyrics are really expressive and, 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 and they're not hard to understand in that you can understand the words and you can put them together and they make yeah. sense. But the, the overlying, you know, what is this awful thing that they've uncovered? Or what is this terrible thing that she has done? Or yeah. what she's suffering from or whatever? And that's the bit that's left open. And it does make them really, really unsettling, but totally compelling as a band. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, at Cold Days for the Birdhouse, as a standalone song, it's like got to be... Yeah. It's but just incredible. the best of the yeah. past decade. I, I mean, like you were saying, I haven't seen Primal Scream more yeah. times than any other band. That's the Twilight Sad for me. I, must have, mm-hmm. I think I've seen them about between 10 and 15 times in like the past four years or mm-hmm. four or five years or something. Or whenever, like... So, yeah, until they took five the screening years, order out. Like yeah, something like that. Yeah, no, basically, basically any time they've played in Glasgow over the past five years, I, I've gone along it. And yeah, they're just an astonishing band. Excellent. Yeah, amazing band. Yep. Right. Well, I've, there's a few I haven't spoken about. I will pick one, but uh, gosh, I kind of wanted to talk about When Earth Tears Baby, just oh, yeah. to talk about Davy Henderson. Mm-hmm. Davy mm-hmm. Henderson, Fire Engines, yep. um, number nine, fantastic uh, musician. But I also haven't talked about Lloyd Cole and Commotions yeah. Rattles next. Yeah. And I know you've got that down. And yeah. I haven't talked about the Water Boys. Oh, this is the C. I think I'm going to oh, have to talk about the Water Boys. Yeah. This is the C. Yeah. Because Mike Scott. Uh, I, I think he's just a genius, um, yeah. and he's that—he's unashamedly spiritual, and that's something that I, by usually would kind of run my own. <laughs> it's a terrible thing to say, no, but you know, but uh, despite no, that, that. Or, despite that, mm-hmm. he wins me over. Uh, I, that term, the big music that was being spoken yeah. about in the early mm-hmm. 80s, Water Boys, and particularly this is the sea, absolutely mm-hmm. captured that. There was a breadth of scope. That um, and it wasn't just about the production; it was about the lyrics, it was about the music, it was about himself. For a while, I don't think there was a band to touch the Water Boys, um, mm-hmm. and I think this is the. T- I mean, yes, 
Fisherman's Blues and yep. all the stuff that's yep. going on have, mm-hmm. were, were perhaps even bigger records, I'm not sure, but This Is The Sea was just phenomenal. I think you're right. And of course, I think he coined the, the, the kind of big music mm, yeah. term, didn't he? And that, and that does encapsulate it. And he, and he is spiritual, but it's that kind of like, I don't, I don't, this, this is probably a complete contradiction in terms, but it is a slightly kind of secular spiritualism as well in which it's kind of like just a genuine there, there's a heavenly rather than a godly sense of it ah, do you know it's very like, good way of putting it because you know it's it, it's kind yeah. of it's much it's not so much a religious thing as just a an anthemic or a, a, a yeah yeah you know it's, it's to do with something a bit more cosmic than, than i think that's a good way of yeah. putting it he has um still to this day he's looking for Searching for various answers, and a yeah. lot of like, people have stopped doing that. Mm. Um, and you know, he spent time up in Finhorn and all of this yep. kind of stuff. Pagan but place, the mm. pagan place, mm. and uh, he, he he's looking for something else, and it's unashamed. And I think that's a wonderful thing. Yeah, it's so far away from. I mean, we're talking about the kind of aesthetic of someone like Orange Juice, mm. or um, the kind of calculation of Primal Scream, or something yep. like that. This is emotion, and it's Absolutely. big emotion, yeah. and it's unfettered emotion, and I think that's a great thing. And if you can, if you can let Mike Scott into your life, mm. it's a better place. I, to- I totally. <laughs> what are people going to come door to door and like suits and ties and go? Excuse me, have you accepted Mike Scott? Let's do it. Let's make our mission. My neighbours. Yeah. 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 No, no. To- I, I totally. You know that was that was uh, this is a scene was was close to mine as well, and and I saw. Mm, uh, the water I'd seen them but like mm. m- but more at festivals and things when they were obviously yeah. when they were touring then I, I was too young but um, and, and I'd seen them at Glassman at various festivals and I always really enjoyed them but I, from a distance and and then I went to review the appointment with Mr Yates that yes, he did yes, yeah. um, so the first Love thing that, he right? did it was um, was it Celtic Connections last year yeah and from the minute I went into the concert hall which was sold mm-hmm. out I was I, I he is such he is like he is as big a showman and as big a rock and roll figure to me as like a Mick Jagger or someone like that. He you is would absolutely. Him, you? <laughs> he is so commanding and so like you know his physique, everything about him. His, he's an amazing singer. He was just he was really charming. He's and the thing is, I knew nothing that he'd done because no one had heard any mm-hmm. of that. That, 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 that obviously he'd put he'd taken the poetry, mm-hmm. he'd put it to music. I had really not a great deal of expectation, although I'd gone because, and my editor said because I'm a big Waterboys fan, so I, I, you know, I was hopeful that he'd play Waterboys stuff. And literally within a few bars of him starting, I honestly didn't care what he played because what he has done mm-hmm. with that, yeah. w- w- with that body of work is is phenomenal. One of my albums of the year. I love yeah, it. really, really, really amazing. And then what he did was, so he played. I think he played basically what then became the whole album at that point. I don't think there was even a plan for it to mm-hmm. be an album, but everyone was just so bowled over and surprised yeah. by it. And then for the encore, he came on and, and and finished with the whole of the moon and did a few tracks, and it made me realise that there was there is this slight sense of wishing, feeling that he's not given quite the acclaim no, that he deserves. I think I know really with me, there are one of these bands that are like I kind of to see ourselves as others he is kind of thing yeah. for me because you know you grow up with him with like. Fisherman's Blues and the t- Visit Scotland adverts. Oh, and like yeah, he was another, totally. he, the, the Waterboys were another band that were on, I think they were on both volumes they of were, Pride. They were on Pride. Yeah, <laughs> they were on both of them. Pride and, bands. And, and like Graham Norton singing The Hole of the Moon and Father Ted. And oh, really? But over the past couple of years, I've seen like American bands come over here and like you know cover the Waterboys and mm. really talk in reverential tones about Mike Scott. Like, yeah. um, Ted Leo and the Pharmacist came over a couple of years ago mm-hmm. and covered... Uh, Fisherman's Blues at the camp's rest and were like this is a local guy and they were expecting like massive applause oh. and stuff and everybody kind of went 
you know, yeah, yeah. kickers polite, you know, kind yeah. of. And uh, even just this past weekend, I went to see the War on Drugs at Stereo, who are, you know, kind of rootsy, Americana y, bit shoegazy, and they covered Pagan Place. Oh, wow, yeah. Uh, and really? said, like, we, like we're massive fans. He's like, the, the lead singer is like one of my favorite musicians. He's from around here as well. We rarely do covers, but we just felt we had to because we were here. And yeah, they did Pagan Place. Uh, mm. So it, it's weird. It's almost like. Because without the associations, they like like a whole generation of Scottish people have mm-hmm. had been brought up on you know the pride stuff and the the, the visit Scotland stuff and what have you. Just you that know, that like, kind of lazy Celtic rock yeah, term, exactly. yeah, and exactly. it's just so it's such a misnomer. And his, I mean, that's really interesting. It is. It's like you, when it's presented. It, in another context yeah. it's like that thing of you being in Australia or me yeah. being in London yeah, yeah. and then attaching ourselves to these really really Scottish things or as you say or your, your friend who made you the, yeah, the comfort the, the, you know it's funny sometimes you, you do need to be from a different in yeah, a different exactly, place yeah. or look at it a different way yeah, yeah. Um, it's of all the bands we've spoken about the Waterboys and Mike Scott's solo stuff as well yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, just make me completely emotional and mm. uh, sometimes that's what you want from your music is totally. just to be absolutely you know blown away mm. Um, right, so it's down to it. Oh, gosh. I hope you've, got, no, you've not in a rush to get anywhere. No, no problem at all. Quite happy. So, right, final five. We've all, well, let's see, Tainy's fan club are going to be in there, aren't they? Yes. And you said because of the intervention. I, I will, I will, Bandwagon-esque is closest to my heart and it uh, always will be. Yeah. However, three against one, thanks to Jim iTunes, <laughs> <Yeah>. unfollowed. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you worry, oh, that's a deep cut in 2012. That's that, yeah. cuts, that cuts to the point. I know. Yeah. He'll be sorry, yeah, but he, yeah. you know. Sorry, no more Jim. follow Fridays for you. <laughs> so we have got. It's the worst I can do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, it, will, it, will, it will hate it. That's yeah. the thing. Um, and then we've got, we're going to have Arab Strap in, I think. We've okay. got, now. Yeah. So I I've got the same choice. Well, shall we just pick a third? <laughs> I, I, would, I would go with the, the weekend. We just because never, we never okay, okay, first big weekend. Mm-hmm. Okay, week never starts around. He's here, just been diplomatic because he's ganging up on me for the other. So what I would have done, Sebastian? Yeah, No, yeah, because we're go. We've all got a Blue Nile album, and and. Do you know? I am happy to acquiesce on hats because I I really really love hats as well okay so despite the fact that the importance of the band to me is reflected a little bit more in um, Walk Across the Rooftops I am I I love that I love hats I don't certainly don't have a problem with that (laughs) okay yeah I don't have that much of a problem with that (laughs) (laughs) okay now so what are we going to do this is what we're the so Two of us had simple minds, but yep. I can't see you going for simple minds. I just, through no. lack of knowledge. Fair enough. <laughs> no, but I, this is, this is no, good. Uh, I mean, to be honest, that's a fair point because you know how there are some artists that you come across and you think, I really, I need to know them and I need to hear them. And that you've not been compelled to do that yet, yeah. which means yeah. they're, you know, that legacy might keep driving onward. Yeah. But at the moment, it's obviously not. I think we have important. to have a postcard band. Okay. And you've got Orange Juice. Oh, I, I have it on my long list. I don't have it in my top ten, but so, or, or it's just on my long list. Yeah. Bet, and mm-hmm. I've got Aztec camera, and you've got orange juice, and I can understand. I'm, I'm happy to go with orange juice. I really am. And the, the, for the influence of nothing else, you know yeah. the stuff. 
and still influencing today. I, I would, yeah, that's what I was going to say. I would also say, and we didn't we didn't speak about the time because it, it's not obviously you want to look at it as an album in its own right and not just as a legacy. But I do think in terms of a lot of other artists we've spoken to from Bell and Sebastian and an art and a band we haven't yeah. spoken about, um, but we should have in some sort of reference to the postcard era and the influence on them. It's Franz Ferdinand. Yes. Yeah. Um, and again, you know that's so perhaps for 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 the for the legacy as well. Although God, you know, I wouldn't argue with with Roddy Frame. He's a he's a beautiful songwriter. Yeah, well. and but I think that that's a fair. I think that's a good one to say you you can't, can't hide your love forever hide your yeah. love forever it's also a wonderful album title it is. I yeah. really really and as a cover. title yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. yeah, yeah totally right we have one more slot then we have one more slot before we go so I'm swear of Let's just mention a couple of the bands that we haven't even mentioned. Oh, I know. Mean, Jesus and Mary Chains. Oh, yeah. What was that? Was that? I know. But, yeah. but that was on one of my. Yeah, that was. That, was that would be one. my shout for a fifth place on it. Right. <laughs> no, we've not even talked no, we about it. Even talked no, about I, my brother is going to kill me because mm. we haven't mentioned Big Country's The Crossing. Oh, and a big, the Big Country was a tricky. Uh, big Country's a tricky one as well. But again, it's more than a. It's a bit it's of a nostalgic. Thing. An, I would say it's a nostalgic thing. And for I love. I love hearing. I absolutely and obviously the soundtrack to Restless oh, yeah, Nature. Which I you know, yeah, album. which I just absolutely love. But I don't. I couldn't honestly no, hand on heart take an album. Sorry, Andy. It's not going in, um, and I we didn't talk about uh, rattlesnakes, even though the two of us oh, yeah. have yeah. that on our list. But we have to come up with a final one, right? Let's. If you had to pick one from the list that we haven't already picked, let's do that, and let's see if we can come okay. up with something. I would go with. This is going to be tough. I would think I might go with the Water Boys. This is the scene. Okay. What uh, would you go with, Nicola? Well, this is difficult because well, I would go for Rain Town. I would go for Deacon Blues Rain Town oh, right. without a question. Okay, okay, okay. However, That's interesting. We might have to do this in a series of yeah. rounds. <laughs> yes, we're not sure we're going to have to do. Okay, right. I would go for Psycho Candy. Oh, right. The Chain, even though we haven't talked about <laughs> All right, out of the ones we have talked yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, out of the ones we have talked about. I think uh, that's probably the best. I would probably go for... Uh, I'd probably go for If You're Feeling Sinister, actually, by Bill and Sebastian, are the ones we've talked about. But I think, obviously, that's not going to be going, going for by... Well, I'm not sure. You see, yeah. I, could, I could go Bill and Sebastian. All right, but well... Well, and well uh, yeah, you, and I could go Water Boys. But right, I can't, yeah. but I mean, the fact, you know, it sounds like, because, see, I'm the only one who's saying Deacon Blue, so I think by virtue of that, that should be the fifth one. <laughs> <laughs> and it's raining, look! It is, it's look. raining, it's a, a sign. There's a visual sign. It's a sign. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, you did say that it, you, it was in the back of your car. My car. Again, well, it would be like a nostalgia thing for me, I think, the way you were talking about. Um, I don't have it on. Talking about big know. country. There. I mean, I do think it's a great record. Would I have it above the water boys? Oh, I know, see, that's a. And this, as you see, is an excellent an album. Excellent, Ali, excellent remind us whose podcast it is. <laughs> <laughs> I've never done that yet. I've never done that yet. Yeah, I think it'd go up and change it. Well, yeah. no, you know, put his own one in, just suddenly, you know. Oh, yeah, there's a thought. <laughs> Actually, I do have a referee here. Uh, we do here. have a referee. Uh, do you, what would you say if you were. Uh, well, you we spoke earlier about trying to avoid a sort of uh, positive discrimination to the indies mm-hmm. and we've got Teenage Fan Club, Arab Strap, Blue Nile and Orange Juice mm-hmm. so on that, if you want to recognise a very celebrated Scottish artist they're all very celebrated 
Deacon Blaze got more got more sales. Well, you know what? I think I would. I would be. It's purely churlish to to not put Deacon Blues being turned in. Because you know what? It is a great album. If we it put it on now, you know, it really it's is a beautiful album. a terrific album. Um, I can hear the folk uh, phoning in all the touch already going, you did what? Yeah, that, that <laughs> would oh, be... Jesus and Mary Jane! Yes, that would be... That would be... As we speak, what's your number again, Ali? So, like, I mean... I, you want, Chris, I've got to work with you again. Uh, I'll hopefully have to work with you again. It's fine, Deacon Blue. Deacon yeah, and, and, oh, see, this is, this is, it, we're, we're going back to volunteer here. Um, How would you feel about the water? Well, okay. I don't mind, no, seriously. Have you got I, a pre- if you I have no preference no. between the two of them. You don't, well. Because I do love This Is The Sea. Yeah. Okay. So. Well, I I have, you know what, folks? You can make up your own mind at home. Let's, we have to go and get a drink or something. We've been doing this for a long time. I am I genuinely am happy to go with uh, Deacon Blue's Rain Town. And in fact, the more people that have a go, the better. Bring it on. That's See, this what I is say. my point. Bring I think, on. you know, they are, they are the total, like, whipping yeah. boy of a, of a scene that they kind of came to define despite the fact they weren't yeah. really and part of that. the conversation you know? we had earlier, defending that scene, I think it merits their inclusion. I, I just want to point out, though, I did go for Belle and Sebastian for this slot, so if you are going to come at me, I will not be able to defend myself. <laughs> I went for a Belle and Sebastian record. <laughs> I do not have any kind of physicality to me at all. <laughs> no, it's just take, take pity. <laughs> yes. You wouldn't hit a guy with glasses. Yes, you hit a guy with glasses. <laughs> anyway, listen, fantastic. Our final five are Teenage Fan Club Grand Prix, Arab Strap, Week Never Starts Around Here, The Blue Nile Hats, Orange Juice, You Can't Hide Your Love Forever, and Deacon Blue's Rain Town. And considering we met in Babity Bowsters, which has a picture of Oscar Mazzaroli's mm-hmm. cover, original mm-hmm. cover, it's mm-hmm. a sign. That's right. It's all a Absolutely. sign. Deacon Blue's go. Rain Town. It was written in the stars. It or in the in, rain. It was in the rain. Um, Deacon Blue was in the rain. <laughs> so, yeah. I hope you'll probably all have completely different ones and that's the point of these things. They are pointless, but my God, they're good fun to do. <laughs> so, listen, thanks, Nicola, for coming along. Pleasure, thanks for asking me. And thank you, Chris, once more. Cheers. Cheers to Ian as for sitting through a good hour, almost two hours worth, I would imagine. And what a fair referee he was. Thank and you, Ian. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm.